Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Get nasty on a Tuesday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Our guy Andrew Marsh spinning the dials today. Appreciate you joining us. 203. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. One of the mic drop themes that we have throughout the course of the day today that I'm interested in maybe getting uh, people's takes on, Jamie. Wow. Is, oh, careful. I, I know. I know. But right, uh, if you're someone that believes that the Cardinals model is broken, then how would you fix it? What would you do? How would you build it? Explain the Cardinals model, Anthony, just in case somebody's driving around right now and, and like, what the hell is Anthony talking about? Well, some people would refer to it as, like, if I if I was channeling some of the more skeptical Cardinals fans, Jamie, I would say that the model is just be cheap as hell, don't spend in free agency, don't make big moves, don't go for it, and just wow. rely on the fact that you play in a garbage division to help you get to the postseason every single year. Anthony, did you have a hard time sleeping last night? Did you not get the uh, – you seemed very uh, angry today. I, I qualified it with this is, I think, how some skeptical Cardinals fans look at it. Okay. So if you fall into that category, how would you fix this broken model? Because I've got theories of my own. Jamie, you and I were kind of discussing some of them yesterday. But just, you know, think think of that. How would you build – what that marinate. What, fo- what philosophy would you go with – when building the the roster for the Cardinals each and every year. We've got NFL four downs. Jamie's leaving a little early. He's got some TV work. So we'll check in with Jamie Rivers from Enterprise in the 5 o'clock hour. Yep. Alex Ferrario will join us as well from Enterprise Center at 430. So we'll do some kind of live look-ins like we did last week when Jamie had some TV work. But we do start off with the Blues. Some good and bad news. Let's start with the good. Tori Krug. He's going to be back. Yes. Lifted off long-term in IR following uh, or ahead of Tuesday's game against the Buffalo Buffaloes. And then you got Vladimir Tarasenko also activated off the injured reserve. Big daddy, Vladdy. And he will face the Buffaloes tonight. Pre-game starting at 6 o'clock. Also, Logan Brown activated off of the IR. He was activated yesterday or before the last game, but uh, now he's We didn't have a game yesterday, so. He's going to be back. Full effect. So, interesting to see how all of this uh, helps the Blues. I mean, I'm going to stick with the good news, or do you want to tell everybody the bad news? Never mind. You know what, Anthony? Let's start with the... Anthony, go ahead. I know you. Go ahead. Tell the bad news. Excellent father, kind, caring friend. What is that what the route you were going to go down? Sure. But what you like to tell people the bad news. Go ahead. I don't like to tell people bad news. But if it's right in front of us, Uh people do expect us to talk about it. Uh Anthony, can you share the bad news, please? Just share the news. We'll just call the news. Yeah, the news is not great news. It's certainly not great. It's not Anthony news for the day. Just what the hell? It's you're talking and it's news. Pavel Bujnevich placed on injury reserve. What? Blues will reevaluate him after the All Star break. (sighs) Dealing with an ankle injury. What the hell, Anthony? You're going to ruin these people's day. Like, I'm the only ones. The Blues actually are reporting this news. 
You blame me. Blame the guy's ankle. Well, there's something going, something, something going on with the ankle, and he um, got an infection of some kind. I, I am not a doctor, nor do I pretend to be. Maybe sometimes. But some kind of an infection that they had to go in and do a little surgical procedure. So, Booch is on the shelf for now, reevaluated later on. But circling back to the other news, Valerie Tarasenko back in the lineup, Tori Krug back in the lineup, Logan Brown back in the lineup. This lineup's going to look a lot different. A lot different. And so, we'll see. You know, we'll see how it ends up here. What kind of a role will Vladimir Tarasenko take on Tori Krug? Will they go right back to where they left off, or will they kind of get, you know, baby steps back into the lineup? If we go over the lineup right now, looks like Saad, Thomas, Kairu, Barbashev, Shan, Tarasenko, Neighbors, Achari, Logan Brown, Torpchenko, Walker, Pitlick, Letty Pareko, Mikola Falk, Krug, Tucker. So there you have it. That's your lineup for tonight. Let me ask you this. Based on what you just said about we'll see if Vladimir Tarasenko is kind of babied into the lineup a little bit, if they take their they take their time with it. My question to you, what what has been kind of the what what's 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 common with injuries like this? Because I would have to imagine that you are building up once you're activated, you're building up to play your regular minutes. Yeah. Or am I wrong on that? Who are we talking about here? Vladdy? Because there's different instances for all of them here. Okay, then let's then let's go with Tarasenko. You've been building up. I would assume that he would see regular ice time tonight, no? Yeah, he will. Uh, when it's a hand or an upper body injury, um, you can keep the legs, the legs Yeah, Be down the bike every day. Some guys like the treadmill, you know, they can skate. You can get out there and you can get after it. He's been going pretty hard here, so I don't see anything to where it will hold him back from a cardio standpoint. There will be some battle cardio that unless you're in the, the corners and you're grinding and doing all that, you can't duplicate that in practice or in the weight room. There'll be a little bit of a, a, a speed bump there, but not much. All right, so, so I Tor- think Vladdy be just fine. So Tori Krug, I'm assuming, might be a little different? Yeah, it's a little harder to get back sometimes with the lower body injuries, depending on you know what exactly it is. Sometimes it's you know the, the overall speed. Sometimes it's the mobility. Sometimes it's turning left, turning right. You know, it can impede you sometimes that way. But usually when it's – if it's still in that area where it's kind of stopping you, guys won't come back. A couple reasons. One, it puts the team at risk of giving up goals or putting the team in a bad spot. Two, it puts the player at risk for further injury. If you can't move properly, I mean, that's not good. You know, whether you leave yourself compromised or you're going to get hit or you try to make play and, you, you know, you re-injure yourself. So I think that – both of these guys are probably pretty ready to go. Vladimir Tarasenko had a little bit of an advantage based on the fact that he can continue to skate through his injury. But I think you'll see these guys play not only just a regular shift, they're going to get power play time. You better believe it. Krug and Tarasenko right back on the power play. This team needs points. This team needs wins. You don't have time to baby steps your way back into the lineup. So Logan Brown's been missing you know, for quite a few games now. He's been out with injury too. No time for baby steps. Logan Brown playing on the third line. He's going to be expected to contribute immediately, as well as all the other guys. We're isolating the guys coming back from injury, but everybody now, too. You have to um, un- you have to probably take a look at the lineup and go, okay, you're adding Vladdy to the right wing with Braden Shen. Hey, Shenner, let's go. Time- 
we got to win the game here. Produce offensively. Make sure things are happening. Hey, Barbie, you know the game you just had? Let's try to see that effort again. You don't have to put put a Gordie Howe hat trick on the board every single night. It's kind of fun, but it's probably not possible. But give us that effort every night. And it kind of trickles down from there. You have to start right now. You have to start using these guys coming back from injury as almost like springboarding your team upward. Can we expect Tarasenko to be max effort here the next couple of weeks yes i i think he can i think more so than ever for a couple of reasons one let's take the trade put it to the side for a second it's contract year for vladimir tarasenko and he you know he's had an okay season so far he sits here right now with 29 points in 34 games he's off the pace that he was on last year I'm sure Vladdy would like to at least get to 20 goals this year, and he'd probably like to get to somewhere between 65 and 75 points. That's where he'd like to be so that his contract is nice and big and fat for the next couple of years, no matter where he ends up going or whether he stays here in St. Louis. So for that reason, yes, I think so. And if Vladdy truly wants to still be traded, if, I don't know, I don't talk to him about it, but if he still wants to be traded... Him playing well certainly expedites that. Teams will call, uh, specifically Carolina Hurricanes. I'm sure they're looking around right now. But other teams, too, will be looking to add a guy who can put the puck in the net. And Vladdy, uh, given his track record, he's a guy that can do that. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. If you're someone that believes the Cardinals model is broken, how would you fix it? We've got some thoughts on our own. Love to hear you via the mic drop. Just download the 101 ESPN app if you don't have it if you already do open it up leave us a mic drop talking a little Cardinals next on 101 ESPN we're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN the offseason there were uh, certainly some things we were hoping to do that we weren't able to accomplish but you know our number one goal was to obviously add a catcher we were fortunate enough to do that and then uh, a lot of things sort of unfolded or transpired that necessarily didn't break the way we had hoped but you know net net as we start to look at at Jupiter and, and starting to really think about the 2023 season we really are excited about what we have I'm done with him <laughs> that was Janet at the end there. Of course, that was John Mozeliak. And as anytime, just peek behind the curtain. Anytime Mo says kind of a Moism, net net, something like that, we what all look at each other. What did he say the other day? By proxy? Yeah, proxy, right. Proxy. Any, any Moism is typically something that has uh, the three of us looking at each other here in the fast lane with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh and Anthony Stalter. I was reading through Derek Gould's latest chat at STL Today. And a lot of the questions, Jamie, were based on the conversation that, you know, we kind of had last week in some way, shape, or form. Cardinal spending, what happened this offseason, why didn't they sign more players? Now, if you want some of that information, Derek Gould does provide several instances, doesn't doesn't list names, but several instances in which the, the Cardinals were interested in a free agent and it, they, it just it didn't get done. Whether that free agent chose another team, the asking price got to be too much, or in one instance, I know Derek Gould reported, and we, we touched upon it last week, in one instance there was, there was a, a player that didn't 
necessarily love the the role that he could be in. So it was like an outfielder DH type and didn't, you know, love the the playing time aspect of what what the Cardinals were offering. But the bottom line is the Cardinals walk away from this offseason unless they do something else with one big free agent. And that was of course Wilson Contreras. There are some fans that are irate about this, that feel as though that they have once again decided to sit on their hands. Once again, they have lied to fans. I don't think anybody lied to anybody. It's just a situation that your expectations weren't met and you were pissed. All right, fair. But my question is, if you are somebody that that believes the Cardinals model is broken, and I'm talking about when I'm talking about model, I'm talking about building a roster, how you would go about building the Cardinals roster. If you have been one of those people that have said, it's broken, it's a joke, Mo's going to go, whatever. I want to know, and Jamie does as well, how you would fix it. For example, Jamie, you and I... I was going to say, because I think everybody has a, an idea of what we're saying here, yeah. but give a couple of examples. It doesn't It doesn't have to be specific players. Because ultimately, we, but we don't know. if you want it to be, If go you ahead. want it to be, fine. We'll open it up. The world is your oyster. But I'm talking about in general general uh, statements, how would you go about building this roster? For me, Jamie, I like the fact that they have decided to hold on to a lot of their top prospects and not make big moves at the deadline that would certainly bring in that influx of top talent, but you're sacrificing a lot of your future. Other people would argue they're just prospects. Why not trade those prospects for, for proven talent? So if you want to go about it that way in building your roster, fine. But for me, I like that the Cardinals are using the draft as kind of the lifeblood or their foundation moving forward here. Yeah. I think we all agree that when a guy like Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt comes about and you can strike strike – and get a get a great player at at an inexpensive cost, relatively speaking. Go ahead and do that. But the Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, they don't they don't come about a lot. Shohei Otani, you want him, you're gonna pay premium. Juan Soto, you want him, you're gonna pay premium. I'm okay with holding on to those those prospects, developing those guys, and then they become your core. Where I would differ, and you and I talked about this yesterday, Jamie. Where I would differ from the Cardinals is I would be more willing to do the one- or two-year contracts for free agents that I know are that, that I know will make my roster better. In other words, I'd rather go with the one- or two-year deals for aging players. We used Scherzer and you Darvish yesterday, but I'd rather go that route than five or six years or four or five years of a free agent that I know is average and I'm paying market <laughs> prices for it. And we've seen that before out of this team. I would rather go the one or two year deal yeah. knowing that I'm still going to have a question to answer in the future, but the Cardinals seem a little reluctant with that. Last year they did it. Last year they had the one year deal with pools, but that's a different circumstance. That's a whole other animal. One year deal for Dick a lot of money on it, so that doesn't count. Right. One year deal for Dick. I'm talking more about like the one year deal for Cody Bellinger, the one year deal for wh- whoever, a guy that is looking 
to re you know to to reestablish. Well, why are his we always doing that? So that's my issue with it is. The Cardinals are always looking for that guy like to reestablish himself, to reset the market, and we hope it works out. Why don't you go get the proven guy? I will say this. They did it with Contreras. Mm-hmm. They went and got the most proven catcher available on the market. Bam. Done. Great. Happy. I have nothing negative to say about it at all. Where I, Where I think you and I differ a little bit is – so you have Jordan Walker. Mm-hmm. You've developed this guy, and he could be a megastar. Could be. Great. I'm using that to my advantage. I would take Jordan Walker and flip him for Shohei Otani, knowing that Shohei Otani would re-up with my club. And I know it's going to be a record amount of money for this guy. But I know exactly what I'm getting. I'm getting one of the best in the game at two positions. At the plate and on the mound. And I also know that the money that that guy's going to pull in for my club mm-hmm. is going to be hand over fist. I'm going to pay a premium, there's no doubt. And Jordan Walker could end up could end up being a really good player, but he'd have to be Albert Pujols for me to be sorry about making that deal. Do you know what I'm saying? The Angels, Albert Pujols? No. Babber, all of Albert Pujols. He'd take his entire career, okay? Because it was a long amazing career there were some pockets where i'm sure albert would say that he wasn't at his best great i'm saying if jordan walker becomes albert pools i'm still okay with this deal so the fear of holding on to my prospects and i I don't want to what if what if what if Mm -hmm. of course there's guarantees i'd have to know that otani is going to resign here and stay a cardinal okay it's a big caveat It, it is a big caveat but i'm playing the game here of kicking the tires and if the angels say Hey, you can talk to him. His agent says, hey, he would sign another 10 years with you guys, 8 to 10 years with you guys. Here's the number. I don't even care what the number is, but we want Jordan Walker as the number one piece coming back to our club. Mm -hmm. Done. Done. Because both players, even if Jordan Walker ends up being Albert Pujols, I'm still okay with the deal because I've got Shohei Otani. But if Jordan Walker doesn't, become Albert Pujols. I won the deal. Yeah. I you know, Shohei Otani is kind of like the the, he's the a exception. He, he is. He's the unicorn. I he's get the, it, but he's, he's available, the Anthony. He's the Tom Brady to every every quarterback conversation over but the last 15 years. he's available right now and he solves two problems that you have. Assuming that he'd be coming here for for the full time, I, I I have no argument against that. Yeah. I have no argument against that. When it comes to like hoarding the prospects in fear of losing these prospects, to me, I, I don't look at it that way. I, I view it as th- these are the guys that are growing up in our organization that eventually will be promoted and shine at the uh, on the big stage. And then I'm going to I'm going to allocate my funds not only to mixing in again, I'm, I'm good with one or two year contracts for free agents. I'm OK with that. But I would use free agents that way. I would not use free agents in the way that the the Phillies do, the Mets do, because the Padres because there's there's a price there. If those guys don't all do that within, you know, th- it's really a three-year – I know there's five-year contracts, six-year con- six contracts. You really have three windows, three years when it comes to the window. And if those guys don't all pan out, you're shelling out a ton of money for players that aren't producing for you. I, 
and the Cardinals are never going to be that anyway. So I don't. I, we really can't do the the Phillies and Mets comparison or the Padres comparison. But I would much rather go with guys that came up through my organization that knew what it was like to grow up in a Cardinals or, organization, know how we do it, and develop that way. And then that is my my bedrock. That's my foundation. And then make make move, moves to address the roster but not in the manner of saying six-year contract for, for, for a free agent that's 29. I, I'm going to avoid those contracts. And you could call me, you know, cheap, holding Moe's water, this, that, and the other thing. It is what I believe is the better route to long, long-term stability. The one big thing, the one big if, of course, and we know this, prospects, gotta, they have to pan out. If they don't, if you don't draft well, if you don't develop, if you have an injury to a, to a key prospect, he doesn't pan out, well, now what? Yeah. And maybe that's where a lot of Cardinals fans are right now. But in terms of building the model, that is how I'd go about it. I can't wait to get the text response and the mic drop response I don't throughout the course the model, of the show. Okay, so let me be clear. I don't hate the model. You hate me? But it, No, I don't hate you at all. I love you, Anthony. Love you too, brother. Um I just think the model that the Cardinals currently have, every four or five years, you take some of those guys, those prospects, and you turn them into for sure players. There that's, you go. That's it. So Jamie's got kind of his his view of things, his model. I've got mine. What's I'm sure yours? Scouting staff is doing their job. When you got Mason Wynn, Jordan Walker, Tink Hentz, mm-hmm. Graceffo, when you got all these pieces of the pie that are like, wow, you guys did a great job. Cool. Great. I look at my team right now, and I'm like, I'm only a couple of pieces away from being a contender. I'm going to use my prospects. Then you go and do that. Then you draft again, see where you're at in a couple of years, and then you either stick with the draft pool that you have because they're doing so well, or you flip them again and go get players that you can you know, sure. keep moving the ball with. All right. If you think the Cardinals model is broken, or maybe not broken but needs to be tweaked, because I think what you and I are saying is let's tweak it. Yeah. How would you do it? Well, the model is obviously working. From a competitive and revenue side of things. Sure. It's just not from a... It's just not from for you're everybody. Not a, you're not a World Series contender. So how would you do it? Leave us a mic drop. We'll we'll revisit this throughout the course of the show. What's trending is next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers, I'm Andrew Marsh. It's time for What's Trending. And guys, we got a text message today. Three questions from the 314 Uh Hall of Fame questions. I'll start off with number one. Does Scott Rowland get elected today? Yes. Yes. Next. Number two, <laughs> if he does, will he go in as a Cardinal? Oh, that's, so that's, a, the hall, that's up to the Hall, right? Okay, hang on. No, it's not. It's up to the player, isn't it? Pretty sure the Hall, like... I think the player has a choice. I think the player does have a choice, but the the they've got to work with the... They've got to work with Cooperstown, I believe. So, Scott Rowland... Um, I don't have it in front of me. I'm assuming that one of you is probably pulling it up right now. His career. 
how many years in St. Louis as opposed to in Cincinnati? Six with the Cardinals. Yeah. Four with the Reds. And? And the Phillies. He was with the Blue Jays for two years. The Phillies are the other one. The Phillies are the – that's the contender. That was seven. Seven years. Okay. So, question part part two, Mr. Stalter. Part two. Yeah. Is – did Scott Rowland leave – under tough circumstances here. I thought I heard rumblings of he didn't get along with maybe Tony anymore, or I feel like there was something there that soured him a bit. Yeah, I can't remember the specifics, so text line. I'll just go with the yes, I believe I believe there was something. There was a little something something, I believe, in the 2006 postseason. Because remember, Scott Spezio was playing third base for a little bit. Right. That's because he had that sweet soul patch. He did have a sweet soul Mm -hmm. patch. Scott Spezio, an interesting individual, too, by the way. Absolutely. Spent some time with him uh, in Detroit, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. We have a couple of mutual friends in Detroit and uh, had a great night with Scott. Great, great guy. Yep. There you go. We got a text from the 636. F that. Roland is ours. No one else can claim him. Okay, I don't dispute that, but I'm trying to figure out a couple of things here, text line. What was the issue here in St. Louis, and was the issue big enough? Oh, Lisa. Lisa says, oh, there was the Tony LaRussa and him where TLR pulled him for Spezio, and Roland was on the struggle bus. So I guess Roland maybe not playing well, got pulled out. The shoulder injury as well. Spezio. But I feel like his greatest notoriety came as a Cardinal. How one many of, World Series did he win as a Cardinal? One. How many did he win as a Philly? None. I think that's your answer, personally. Scott, call me. We talked about it. <laughs> He's also part of the Cardinals Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I would think he would go in as a Cardinal if he is elected. And final question from the 314. Will the Cardinals retire his number 27? No. No, they won't. No? He's a Hall of Famer? No. I say yes if he's a Hall of Famer. No. You don't know. I, I just, it's you not, don't know. Okay, Anthony, the question was not do the question was not do you know this? They said will the cards. And I said no. They won't. Isn't Tyler O'Neill number twenty seven? He can wear something else. <laughs> the retired numbers. Ozzy, Red, Stan, you know, Slaughter, TLR, Ken Boyer, Dizzy Dean, Lou Brock, Ted Simmons, Whitey Herzog, Jackie Robinson, uh, Bob Gibson, August Bush, Rogers Hornsby, Jack Buck. That th- I'm sorry, Scott Rowland doesn't fit into that list. Yeah, Yachty, you got to imagine that Yachty's number probably retired. Albert's number at some point probably retired. Wayno probably. And I yeah. still don't think Scott Rowland fits into that. Okay. All right. Easy. Take it easy. I'll stand by my damn opinion. That's fine. It's fine. If you don't want to honor Scott Rowland for all his greatness, that's fine. You do you, I Jamie. Don't. Forget it. You can get into the Hall of Fame. But <laughs> that's where you draw the line. We're going to keep that jersey <laughs> in circulation, okay? Fair enough. It's a good number. <laughs> a lot of players would like it. Uh, guys, <laughs> Tom Brady. Uh, I love it was on his Let's Go podcast with Larry Fitzgerald and Jim Gray. Mm-hmm. And Jim Gray, of course, being in the media, you 
it's you almost have to ask this question. Well, Tom probably Brady wanted him yeah, to. Brady Let's knows. be honest. Yeah, absolutely. It's his podcast. It'd be like Donnie Fandango and me, and I say, hey, Donnie, ask me this question. He's like, right. okay. Okay. It's not going to blindside me on my own podcast. No. Go ahead, Andrew. Sorry. And basically asking him, hey, Tom, are you, you coming back? Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good Jim Gray. Was it? Yeah. So what did he say? Well, Anthony, he said, if I knew what I was going to effing do, I would have effing done it. He said that to Jim Gray. I like yeah, it. Yeah, but what was the... What was the I like uh, it. He probably said, if I knew what I was going to effing do, I'd effing, I, I would have effing done it. Even if he... Sh- I don't think it was at Jim Gray. Even if he did it, even if he said, hey, Jim, look into my eyes. Mm-hmm. And he said, if I knew what I was going to effing do, I would effing do it. Right. Even if he did it that way, I'm okay with it. Yeah. You think he had Still that plan? That he said it was set up. I think it was. I think he set it up. I'm going to drop was... a couple f bombs at Jim Gray. That'll I get don't, something. I don't think he was at him. Going on Twitter. That I don't think shows he was me him. passion. Yes. He's not retiring. Tom's back, baby. He's not retiring. Brady's back. Super Bowl next year. FanDuel Sportsbook. Get on there right now. It's not available yet, but it will be. Wow. I hate to go into the public aspect of this, but like, or the personal aspect of this, but come on. What are you talking about? He got a divorce last year. You think he's going? You think he's? Uh, I'm going to retire now. Yeah. Think of no, all the time playing. he's got now. Exactly. He's playing. Absolutely playing. He's got to keep that new girlfriend happy. Raiders. Raiders probably. No way. 49ers, baby. No. Yeah. They got their quarterback. Oh yeah, we saw that for uh, right on display. Okay. You're you're being a little hard on Brock Purdy, who. By the way, was the winning quarterback in? Yeah, that he game. was great at handing the ball off. You are you're, you've been harder on Anthony Brock Purdy. Stolter, you could have won than that Dak game. Dak Prescott, who threw two horrendous interceptions. You've been harder on Purdy. Why are you talking about Brad, Dak Prescott? Because that, you've been harder on. Loves you've him. been harder on. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> Go ahead, Marsh. Uh, Cowboys love him. Yeah. One quick thing before we do that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Big news today. It's the Riz Show night at the Blues game. And we also found out that they're doing their polar plunge here soon. Yeah, that's coming up now. Because so they gr- lost. Yeah, they did. Congratulations. There's a lot of things that we got to sort out with that, by the way. Uh, one polar plunge, great. They're doing it for benefits, Special Olympics. Yes. I absolutely, absolutely yep. love the idea. We did it last year. Yeah, we, we did it last year, and they were there to support us. Riz showed warm. up. King Scott showed yeah. up. Um, I don't know. Riz brought his dog. Riz, yeah, and it counts his, for something, right? I think he brought his kids too, or maybe his daughter. Mm-hmm. His kids are his great. Daughter. They always get me beers. That's nice of them. It's really nice of them. I put them in a bad spot, you know, because at the home run derby, I was mm-hmm. like, "Hey, Riz, do you think your kids could go grab us some beers?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they come running back with beers, almost get hit by a home run ball. Yeah, that would have been Jamie Rivers' fault. I would have been. Yeah, but they're great kids, great family. His son's a hockey player. Is he? Yeah. He's come to a Synergy Hockey Camp before. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I know he's a good hockey player. He's great. He's great. Yeah. Well, they can watch uh, their dad get punished by uh, going into a freezing lake. All presented by the Fastlane. Anthony, I got a question for yeah, you. When is that? Yeah. So I got a question for you. Jesse, I think is his name on Twitter. He, he, Jesse loved reminding us, the Fastlane, of how many times we messed up saying that we were brought to you by the Rizzuto Show. Mm-hmm. So Jesse, if you're out there and you're listening, I would like you to tweet at us. The exact time that that started last year, because yeah. I feel like, I feel like Rizzuto, Scott Rizzuto is, I think, he, I feel like he's reneging on all this. Really? Well, yeah. Well, I feel like he should have been talking about this, but he hasn't. It's like he's trying to put it away, like maybe it won't happen. 
you know, because he's very proud of his little Rizzuto show. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, he don't want to slap up. I don't even know. Brought to you by the what, fast lane on What it. time of day are they even on? Oh, sometime in the morning, Jamie. I don't know. Is it? I'm not sure. But either way. Um, very popular show ever. That's what people tell me. Mm-hmm. But I uh, haven't heard it uh, brought by the fast lane. No, yet. I want to say that we started it after the Super Bowl, but I think so. Don't quote me on that. I would expect that that would start thirty straight. It's, it's thirty shows, thirty straight shows, in which anytime they re, they mention the show's name, they also have to say "brought to you by the fast lane." Mm-hmm. So we'll give. You think he'll just stop mentioning his show's name on purpose? Because you know, Riz, he's a he's a spiteful guy like that. He would be like, you know what? Forget it. I just won't say the Rizzuto show. We're lawyers in both, well, if, need, if need be. The text line. Not. I've paid enough to lawyers here recently. Oh, okay. The text line, they're saying, you know, this is one from the 636. You guys still didn't do all of yours and haven't done your shots either. I've done plenty of shots. I have too. Yep. Wasn't part of the deal. The deal was losing team, 30 straight shows, in which they're brought to you by the other show and also doing a polar plunge to benefit Special Olympics of St. Louis. That was the deal. Okay? If they want to do it next year, where it's the individual show punishment, that's fine. We can talk about that. It wasn't written in the deal. But as we have we have talked about, our performance wasn't based on the weekly punishments. Mm-hmm. Jamie, you have that contract, right, that we all signed with all the rules? Yeah, I do. Yeah, right there. Yeah. He's got it right there. It's, a, it's quite nice expensive. Folder. Nice folder, too. He's got it. Uh, it's yeah, right next to the gaunt- the new Gauntlet 2.0 yep. rules. Yeah, well, that's mm-hmm. the other book that I have here. Yeah. All right. I can we'll, look uh, up anything at any point. We'll monitor that. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN, and as Jamie alluded to, uh, the Cowboys themselves may hate Dak Prescott. We'll tell you why next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I don't know why so many people are surprised by the performance. This is the Dak Prescott that we have gotten for 99% of this season. The reality is the Cowboys lost this football game because their quarterback did not play good enough. And I say good enough specifically because they didn't need him to be great. They needed him to be good. They needed him to be solid. And the disappointing part was he couldn't give them that. This is the second year in a row they go against a very good team and they get 23 scored on them and 19 scored on them. And in both games, I never felt like Dallas going to win this game. That's Dan Orlovsky, who's on with the morning show on ESPN Radio with Jamie Rivers, some Anthony Stalter. He's right. He's right talking about Dak Prescott because the Cowboys didn't need Dak Prescott to be great. They needed him to be good. The Cowboys' defense was great on that night. They were merely good. Maybe Dallas advances. But, Jamie, you you were kind of poking around Twitter before the show, and you thought that it was something was interesting that the Cowboys, the Cowboys tweeted out, Two days ago, yeah. or maybe it was yet, maybe it was yesterday. Oh no, Anthony, there's Sunday. a whole timeline here. There you go. Okay, Jamie, have at it. So, as I was perusing the interwebs, uh, I noticed on Twitter that the Cowboys' Twitter account had some interesting activity, and I questioned it at first. Carlos Martinez, interesting. No, activity? not that okay. interesting. Got it. I mean, that was interesting. A different kind of interesting. Yeah, I got you. Okay. 
Um, as I perused, I noticed that two days ago, the Cowboys' official Twitter site had a couple things to say. Uh, the number one thing that I noticed immediately from their verified account, tweet, and I quote, Dak Prescott gave away the ball, gave the ball twice, gave away the ball twice in the narrow loss to the 49ers in a matchup the Cowboys had a chance to win <laughs> if they didn't, again, generate self-inflicted wounds. Okay, Anthony. Actually, let me, I'm going to continue. May I? Of course. Same day, different tweet. Mike McCarthy took the podium following the loss to the 49ers to give his take on a season that had the opportunity to be special, but instead ended up being anything but that. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm going to continue, Your Honor. Mm -hmm. Plays that might get forgotten include Tony Pollard's game-changing injury and a dropped interception by Trayvon Diggs. Then I go to the following day. The Cowboys' season ends after they are unable to overcome early mistakes, untimely penalties, and key injuries in a 19-12 loss to the 49ers. So all true. Okay, so let's unpack this for a second, okay? You said to me, well, what if it's just the Twitter guy being a you know a jerk or somebody, you know, whatever? Mm -hmm. You said, what do if, what if the Blues do? Well, first of all, the Blues have an incredible social media staff. Love all of them over there. Shannon, Pinky, everybody. Great job. They would never do that. They would never go sure. rogue. But if one person did yeah. go rogue. Young guy, they're, they're paying him nothing, and he, his Cowboys lost, and now he's going to, yeah. you know, vent. That tweet would have been deleted hours later. There you go. This is the 22nd of January and the 23rd. So two days ago and a day ago, backing it up with right. another tweet. What's the message being sent here? Like, because obviously Jerry Jones put his stamp on this. Mm. I don't think this happens without Jerry Jones saying, yep, you hit that there send. Yeah, Twitterverse. I could see him doing that. But w what are we doing here? Are you trying to tell the whole world that you don't like Dak Prescott? He's not the guy that can get the job done. Are you trying to tell him that Mike McCarthy once again brought the team to a spot where it failed terribly? <laughs> like, w what's the message? So just to clarify, when I asked you about the – the, you know, the, like the, like if it's a young guy on Twitter or whatever, you know, kind of venting out, that would have been deleted. That would have been deleted quickly. Well, as soon as that, the front that office, guy saw, anybody yeah. saw it, like if Doug Armstrong, who, you know, isn't on social media, but imagine somebody is. Somebody would have caught wind of it. Yeah. Someone would have caught wind and be like, whoa, nope. Right. Delete that. Yeah. And you're fired. And then Bobby's gone. Bobby, Bobby's no longer with the social media team for the Blues or the Cowboys or whoever. Uh, but the fact that they've left that up, not being in the building, who knows? Here's my here's my take on this, though. Everything revolves around Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is also very passionate when it comes to speaking to the fans. If you noticed after the game, and he's the only owner that I know that speaks after, like, every game. He's also the general manager. Yes. Ish. But he, everything goes through him. That's the bottom line. If you notice right after the game, he said, you know, this is very disappointed. I'm disappointed for our fans. Yeah. So he's always viewing the fans almost like stockholders. And I wonder. You should probably give him a good coach then. If I, There you go. I wonder if it's twofold. He's kind of throwing it out there to the fans like, hey, listen, we're well aware that our quarterback stunk. And we're well aware that you're not high on Mike McCarthy. We're just going to we're just going to post this right here. We're not going to run from that fact that Dak didn't play well and McCarthy, another playoff loss. 
But I also wonder, Jamie, if there's a little bit of Jerry Jones, the GM, saying, my team was good enough if the quarterback doesn't throw the, you know, two interceptions and okay, but then, a little so bit better coaching. what's the end game here? I don't know. Like, I'll what's the end game? Like, are you now looking to trade Dak Prescott? And if you are, this doesn't help his market. It doesn't. Like, so uh, hypothetically, I said, okay, let's go down that road. Let's mm-hmm. walk the path. Right. You fire Mike McCarthy and you trade Dak Prescott. Problems are solved, right? Because you trade Dak Prescott for, let's say, Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Can't tell me the Packers wouldn't make that deal. With the uncertainty of Aaron Rodgers in general, the uncertainty of Jordan Love, even though Dak Prescott's contract is hefty, I feel like the Packers would be like, you know what? This is a pretty good deal for us. Trade him Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers goes into Dallas. Jerry Jones thinks my problems are solved at least for the next couple of years. Now I need a head coach though because Mike McCarthy and uh, Aaron Rodgers don't exactly get along. They're not in the get-along gang. Yeah. But, like, what else, What are the other reasons? Why else would you do that? Outside of, again, Jerry Jones just selfishly trying to distance himself from what, what happened but what on does it accomplish? But all Jerry does, doesn't but think that way. I agree with day, you. At the end of the day, Anthony, all eyeballs go back to Jerry Jones. Why? Because he controls the empire. Absolutely. So if he's upset with Dak or he's upset with Mike McCarthy, make a change then, Jerry. Sure. But when he doesn't and he just does this stuff to stoke the fire and let it burn, right. it doesn't help the team. I don't know if Jerry thinks that far ahead is what I'm saying. Like, Jerry Jerry obviously is a very good businessman. He's not a football man. And I think he has proven that over and over again. Or else he wouldn't have got rid of, you know, uh, the the – the great Jimmy Johnson, but he he wanted he wanted credit, and all the credit was going to Jimmy Johnson, and he wanted to be the the one that says, "Hey, I make the moves around here. I'm mm-hmm. I'm doing all this." And the Cowboys haven't you know outside of the bit you know Barry Switzer winning with with Jimmy Johnson's guys there for a second, they haven't won since. So I don't know if Jones thinks to himself, "All right, there's there's an end game here with me tweeting this out." I just think he he probably wants to distance distance himself. A little bit from what what we saw on Sunday, essentially saying my roster was good enough if the quarterback plays well and the coach is better. But I agree with you ultimately. Then then do something about it. Yeah, I but just I, don't understand why you let that slide, or why you approve that to go through on yeah. your social media. It's a good question. It's a without, fair question. Like the end game. Like I'm a I'm a never used to be, but now in the last you know, five years of my life, I'm way more of the what is the right. uh, repercussions? What's the, What's the goal of what we're doing here? Sure. You know, if I'm talking to somebody about business or I'm trying to do something or promote something, what what's the end game here? Sure. It's not just like, wah, yeah. hits in, bam. And I don't care what happens. Burn yeah. the house down. No, can't do that. So for a team like the Dallas Cowboys, which is supposed to be America's team, I just, there's got to be some kind of method to the madness. It's interesting. It is. It's interesting nonetheless. And maybe more will come out throughout the course of the offseason. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stoltz. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Who's in? Who's out? When it comes to the Blues, we'll give you an update next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, Krugs, that's one of his specialties for sure is the power play. And, um, he, you know, he's been a good PP guy in the National Hockey League for a long time, running it, does things quickly and sees, you know, plays ahead, uh, which is important. And, 
You know, Vladdy's done a good job around the net. Like, we put him around the net a little bit this year, and um, he's done a good job there. He's big, hard to handle down there. And, you know, his hands, he can take pucks to the net and score. You know, hard to move, rebounds, things like that. So I like him there. You know, even going back to last year, I know we used him there a little bit too, and he produced for us there. Greg Berube on Vladimir Tarasenko and Tori Krug and how they can impact the Blues' power play. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN 305. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Krug, Tarasenko are back. So is Logan Brown. He was activated yesterday off IR. Unfortunately, Pavel Buchnevich is now out for the Blues. He was placed on injured reserve, long-term IR, in fact, with an ankle injury. Let's let's talk about Buchnevich for a Booch. second, Jamie. Booch! I feel as though that he is kind of one of Marsh, those players. You're to jump in there too. Go ahead, Marsh. Marshy, say Anthony Sardar. Say it. Pavel Buchnevich. Buch is dealing with an ankle injury placed on long-term IR. <sighs> when it comes to Buchnevich, Jamie, I feel as though he's one of those like underappreciated players that, and I just I only mean this is because we you don't spend a lot of time talking about him, but he impacts. He, he impacts the game a ton. Mm-hmm. So what are you now missing with Pavel Buchnevich out of the lineup? You're missing a lot. <laughs> I know that's, that's vague, but no, you're missing a guy that's got a point a game. So in 38 games this season, he has 30, 38 points. He's got 15 goals. Um, he's got 17 points on the power play. He also operates on your penalty kill. And when he's on the penalty kill, he's a threat to score. So that's what you're missing. And he's a, he's a tenacious competitor, you know, not an overly physical guy, but you watch him out there. He doesn't take crap from anybody. We saw in the Blackhawks game, you know, some cross-checks a guy at the end of the period. In the Nashville game, he was getting involved with Tanner Janot. He had him lined up one time, and Janot fell. Otherwise, I think Booch was going to take his head off. Like, he's not afraid to get involved. So, for me, you're, you're losing another Ryan O'Reilly-type player, which isn't good. You're already missing Ryan O'Reilly and what he brings to the table as far as a well-rounded game. So let's go back a year. Craig Berube says that Ryan O'Reilly is his best 200-foot player. Well, who's your second best player? We all expected Braden Shan or Robert Thomas or maybe Vladdy. Pavel Buchnevich It's the second best defensive forward we have. So fast forward now, he's the second best defensive forward you have, and he's – your point of game guy right now, 38 points in 38 games. Not great. Not great. So you're missing your two best defensive forwards in O'Reilly and Booch, and you're missing one of your best scorers as far as points per game. And Ryan O'Reilly is, you know, a penalty kill face-off guy. So you're suffering right now from an all-around player standpoint. Now the good news is that the Blues have depth. They do. Now, is there, has their depth been tested this year? Yes. Yeah, you're damn right it has in a big way. And you know what? I, I I feel like it's always one step forward, two steps back. In this case here, it's two steps forward, one step back for the Blues because they get three guys back into the lineup and they lose Booch. Would have been kind of a nice luxury to have Booch in that lineup too, and now you've got pretty solid team, and you're going to need that team to be solid. The Buffalo Sabres are a high-scoring team. They're a powerhouse when it comes to scoring goals, and when you look at when you look at their team overall, and you look at the uh, the goals for, they're at 175 goals for. That puts them second, second in the Eastern Conference, second in the NHL in goals scored. It would be nice to have some forwards that can play against Tage Thompson and 
you know, some of those other guys, Skinner and Alex Tuck. It'll be by assignment. You know, Braden Shan, Brandon Saad, they'll get the assignment of trying to shut those guys down. But, yeah, so the, the Pavel Buchnevich injury stinks for the Blues. But with that comes opportunity. And you have to look at, you know, Logan Brown right now. He's been elevated uh, into the lineup. He'll be playing on the third line tonight. So it's a great opportunity for him to go out and prove what he can do. He's had pockets of really good hockey, and every time he hits one of those pockets, he suffers an injury. So to say he's frustrated, I haven't talked to him about this, by the way, but to say he's frustrated if it was me is an understatement. I'd be so frustrated, and I'd be so happy that I'm getting the opportunity to get back in the lineup and make some noise here before the trade deadline comes because you'd like the team to know what they have in you. Not that he's at risk of being traded, but if if I'm Logan Brown, I'm thinking of I'd like the team to know they can trade another player because they have me and that I'm good enough to fill that void. That's where my head goes when a trade deadline comes around as a player that would be in that type of situation. So, you know, there's the opportunity for him, Vladimir Tarasenko, an opportunity to let the whole world know that he should be a guy you're looking to trade for at the deadline if that's what he wants, if that's what Doug Armstrong wants. I say that very cautiously because I don't know where that relationship stands right now. It's none of my business. And, and, you know, all I care about is that the Blues win hockey games. That's all I care about. I want them to win. I want them to be successful. However that path is built is fine with me. Um, So Vladimir Tarasenko, he's going to want to increase his value on the trade market. He's going to want to increase his value come free agency. Then you look at guys like Ryan O'Reilly still on the shelf. He's waiting to come back. Tory Krug, I think he still has something to prove. Mm -hmm. I do. Tory Krug's had kind of an up and down and all around tenure here in St. Louis. And I think that he's got something to prove. I would. I would feel that way. And I don't know this because I haven't talked to Tori about it. But if I was him, being a high-priced player like he is, which is fine. I mean, he's earned that paycheck. But when I look at overall, I say, okay, I'm a $6.5 million player. And the Blues have me for this year plus four more years after that. I'd like to start earning that value. I'd like to show this fan base just what I bring to the table and how good I can be. Because he has at times. He's shown us that he's one of the best power play defensemen in the NHL. He's been a huge reason the power play has been successful in the past. But again, injuries have kind of crept in on him from time to time and pulled him out at really important times. So this is a really important time before the All-Star break. It's nice to get that that bump of some healthy guys back in the lineup. And the Blues need it. The time is now. They've got a pretty... You know, they've got a pretty tough schedule as far as a road trip is concerned. They play Buffalo tonight here. Then they leave... Uh, tomorrow, and they'll go to Arizona, which you think, oh, that's a tap-in, right? No, it's not. Blackhawks should have been a tap-in, too. It wasn't. So you got Arizona, then you get a couple of tough games. you got the Colorado Avalanche on the 28th, and then Winnipeg on the 30th, and then you go to the All-Star break. So this little stretch of four games here is going to be a tough one. The Blues would like to probably get you know, a handful of points here and climb right back into that wild-card discussion. Blues tonight, Sabres pregame starting at 6 o'clock. You can listen to the pregame right here on 101 ESPN. Of course, we'll have the game for you, the Blues Radio Network, as, uh, again, the Blues take on the Buffalo Buffaloes, as we like to call the Sabres. All right, it's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Shout-out to our uh, our late dear friend, Chris yeah, Duncan. Buffalo so Buffaloes. NFL Four Downs next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Top of our NFL four downs here on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Marsha, what do you got for us? First down. All right, gentlemen. You saw what Daniel Jones did in the playoffs. One good game, one bad game. First down, what do the Giants do with Daniel Jones now that he won a road playoff game? Um, I don't think they do anything with him. I, doesn't he have one more year? No, so they declined the they declined his fifth year option, so he's a free agent. What? Why would they do that? Because it was Daniel Jones and they didn't they have to do it before the season starts. Okay, so now they can still extend him, right? They could sign yes, they could sign him just like a free agent. They could also place the you know, like the franchise tag, but you don't want to do that because that's a that's a hefty price. So what the what the hell are the Giants doing then, Anthony? They didn't feel like Daniel okay, Jones would it. make it. Okay, but now, I, if nothing else, Daniel Jones proved he can play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Is he a starting quarterback? Is he a star quarterback to be? Well, star, I don't think he'll ever get there. Is he a starting quarterback to be debated anytime you want? But he, if nothing else, he's proven, at least to me, that he can play in the NFL. Yes. He got a team to the playoffs, and he won a damn playoff game mm-hmm. on a team that was dog bleep in the past, in the last couple of years. It just depends on what he wants. It just depends on what you. I mean, look at, for example, what's your options? Do you do you think what's that the options? do you think that Dak Prescott? Do you think that Dak Prescott's a better quarterback than Daniel Jones? Because I do. Well, yeah, of course he is. All right, he got a four-year, one hundred and sixty million dollar contract from the Cowboys, sixty-six mil for signing, and won the exact one hundred twenty-six guaranteed. Year. My point. So we like Dak Prescott more, but. De- the Cowboys are going to have to continue to build around Dak Prescott, despite the fact that they allocated a lot of money to the salary cap. If I'm the Giants, I would call, I would say Daniel Jones, we, Dan, we like you, buddy. Daniel Dimes, we like you. Nice season. But we cannot build a roster if we're going to commit $126 million guaranteed to you, bud. I'm sorry. If you if you could get that on the, on the open market, God bless you. Go for it, kid. Go for it. But we have to build a roster around you. What are what the did options? He make this year? Uh, whatever his rookie fourth year deal was. I don't know what it is. Ballpark? 20? 16? No, it was way less than that. Hold on. I can get it for you. That's not a big deal. I'm just trying to get an idea of, you know, what a future contract for him in the immediate future, what that could look like. If it was $8 million that he made last year, did they say, hey, we come back to you with $10 million this year? He made in his fourth year. Uh, the cap hit was like 8.3. Total guaranteed was 8.1. So let's just go 8.1. Okay. He would have made 22.3 million had they picked up the fifth year option. That's why they didn't do that. Okay, so that's an, that's extreme. That's a no-no for me. I think if you say, hey, Daniel, uh, we're going to run it back with you, but the price tag looks like 11 or 12. If he signed, I'd be okay with that. I mean, otherwise, Daniel, what are your options? Exactly. Like, nobody's going to be kicking down the door for him to be a starter. No. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe there's teams out there. I mean, the Colts, they have nothing to to even celebrate there. Pittsburgh Steelers, do they really have anything to celebrate there? They've got Kenny Pickett, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe right. Daniel Jones slash Kenny Pickett is your quarterback competition you want. I think the key. I think the Carolina. key is going to be. I think the key is going to be that th- what what is what is the guaranteed portion of the contract? Because if he if he signs a deal that can pay him 
X amount, you know, a decent base, a little bit of guaranteed money, sure. But if the Giants can get out of that contract, that is what I'd be looking for with Daniel Jones. But if you were to sign this guy to decent guaranteed money because he made one playoff run for you, I think that would be a huge mistake. We know what Daniel Jones is. We know what he isn't. At some point, the Giants are going to have to upgrade. I agree there's not a lot of options right now, but you cannot spend a lot of cap space and then try to build around Daniel Jones. Ain't going to happen. You still got to pay Saquon Barkley, too. Absolutely. Which I'd rather give him money than than Daniel Jones. All right, we got three more downs to get to here. Second down. What the hell are you saying? First down is very important down. It is, but we got three more to go. You want to be good on third down, Jamie? Be be great on first down. Good one. Well, second down. I wrote that down. Jacksonville obviously had a great season compared to last year where they were at, where their organization has uh, traveled, literally. Uh, Is Jacksonville clearly the team to beat in the AFC South moving forward? Yes, 100%. What? What? They're the best team in the AFC South. Why? It's not even close. Tell me why. Colts don't have a quarterback. You saw that monstrosity. Yeah. They run it back with Jeff Saturday. Good luck to you. Yeah. Tennessee Titans, you like that team? I do. Well coached. Yeah, they got a new GM. Quarterback. Big things coming. Quarterback problems. Yeah, maybe maybe they bring in Jimmy Garoppolo. I just said that, by the way, because I couldn't remember who all was in the <laughs> AFC South. Uh, and, then, and then this is an NFL team. Yes, prove it to me while I look. <laughs> this is an NFL team, I guess, but the Houston Texans. That's your division. Yeah, Jaguars clearly clearly the best team in the AFC South. Not very good. No. <sighs> Texans great against the spread, though. They are. Well, they were, at, they were 500. <laughs> Better than what they were. True. Third down. How likely is it that Aaron Rodgers gets dealt? I think it's very unlikely that Aaron Rodgers gets dealt. Wow. I think that he's he's going to be a Packer or he's going to retire. And I don't think he's going to retire. I think he's going to do the whole posturing thing because, well, I'm no, you know, psychologist. I'll act like one for the next 30 seconds here. Please don't. You know what, Jamie? Screw you. See, that's right there. Therapist is supposed no matter what you say to them. I think Aaron. I think Aaron Rodgers wants to be in control, and he's not. He's not going to just say, "Yeah, I'm coming back next year. Let's go win it. Let's go win a bleeping title, boys." I think he's like, if you don't bend to some of the things that I want, including bringing back some of my buddies on the team, like Randall Cobb or Mercedes Mercedes Lewis or Robert Tunyon, then I'm going to pout. Ultimately, he signed a big-ass contract, and I think the Packers are going to be like, if you want your money, then you're, you're coming back. He'll be back. He Come on, boys. Done. Let's go win that MVP. Yeah. Come on, guys. Let's go. Let's play hard so I can win an MVP. Signed Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> He's not going anywhere. Fourth down. All right, last question, guys. Is signing Tom Brady actually a good move yes for your franchise's future <laughs> for well, the future no i don't i no, i would disagree i would disagree so if you have a franchise right now that is in a situation to where you're not going to get one of the top quarterbacks available in the draft mm-hmm. you got a gap filler in tom brady you have a good team a solid team um you know i i don't know anthony pick a team colts okay well but he wants yeah. to go to a, a team that can compete 
you know? Yeah, so maybe it's the Raiders. Maybe because they do have some things there. They had a bad season. They were victim of a lot of really close games at times. Maybe it's the Raiders. Um, hey, Tom, we got a great running back in, in Jonathan Taylor. We've got, you know, a, a, a decent wide receiver set led by Michael Pittman. We've got some tight ends. we got three, in fact. I'm not saying they're great tight ends, but they're three solid tight ends, and the defense is in the dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. O-line we're going to work on in this offseason. And we got a high school football coach. <laughs> we're going to hire whoever you want, Tom. Yeah. I think, I think Tom Brady is a good idea as a gap quarterback. You know you're getting a year out of Tom Brady, and that gives you a year to find another young quarterback or to whatever you're going to try and do because not everybody's going to have the luxury of picking up a stud from the draft because after the first couple of guys like then what everybody's Mm -hmm. kind of sort of just guessing about what the you know where they could their potential is going to be in the future so i think tom brady is going to be a very useful piece for a team that's looking like even the miami dolphins i could see yeah you know what i mean right you know i think would be a really good fit tennessee i was thinking so you you mentioned indianapolis and i was thinking that would make sense because why would he go to Vegas and play against Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. Justin Herbert, and who knows what we'll get out of Russell Wilson next year? Maybe he'll be good, maybe not. Maybe. Yeah. But at the same time, like there's two of the top, what you, we would think right. top five quarterbacks in the league. Why would he go play in that division? But if that's the case, then why would he leave the NFC? Why? Like we just talked about Daniel Jones. Yeah. What about Tom Brady in New York? I mean, he could honestly. He could, I don't think he will. But, it, but what if, in, with that line, oh. of, with that line of thinking, why not just stay in the NFC South? That 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 puppy's terrible. Yeah, but he's not going to run it back. Well, maybe he runs it back with the Buccaneers now that everybody and their mother has been fired. I don't know. You could do a lot worse <sighs> than going back to Tampa because Tampa doesn't have a succession plan for Tom Brady no, right now. They don't. They don't. They got it. If they get healthy again on that old line. The defense has has more than enough elements to, to be better next year. You got Mike Evans, you got Chris Godwin, you've got uh, you know you got to find you got to find maybe you got to develop a running game. I'm not saying get rid of Fournette. If you want to bring him back, you can. You've got Kate Auden, who's a good young tight end. It's not terrible, provided that they find somebody that Tom Brady can work with from an offense coordinator standpoint. Apparently, there's some rumblings there that Byron left, which you know it, it got a little sloppy there with Byron left. Yeah, he didn't have the details that Tom liked. Yeah. It's probably why Tom Brady broke into that one house, sent a message to Leftwich, like, hey, if you're not, not going to be a better OC, I'm going to break in your house at some point. I can do it easily. Look at what exactly. I already did. Exactly, yeah. It's Fast Line on 101 ESPN. We're going to revisit your, your mic drops. We threw it out there. If, you, if you're somebody that believes the Cardinals model is broken, then how would you fix it? This is from a roster construction standpoint. Jamie and I told you our philosophy – what about yours? We're going to get to the mic drops next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Look, I'm a, I'm born and raised in St. Louis, and I'm a lifelong Cardinals fan. I know how this organization works, Okay. Um, they're not they're not going to tweak anything. They have a very specific business model and it works because they sell out every single day. Now, every you know 10 or 20 years they'll win a World Series and that's exactly what they want. 
All they want to do is be competitive every single year. That's all they want, and they want to make money. That's it. End of story. Yeah, Jake, you're not wrong. One, it, it is a business. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. But, Jamie, you've often broken down that that aspect of it. Yeah. It's a business. It's a business. These owners, by the way, believe it or not, they, these owners might be fans. I think we got really good owners that are also fans of the sport right here in St. Louis. We've got, you know, the DeWitts are baseball fans. You've got, obviously, the Stillmans. Stillman is a hockey fan. He's a massive hockey fan. But typically, while these, these owners are fans of their teams, they're also owners. They ain't getting yeah. to this spot by saying, I'm going to – do everything like I'm a fan. If you think Tom Stillman is owning the Blues because it wasn't because it was a bad decision financially, yeah, no. you're kidding yourself. Agreed. He saw uh, he saw a product that he loved that he was a minority partner in, and he believed he could make money with it. Right. This is why he's the majority owner, and he's got his ownership group that make money with this Blues team. So, Jake, I don't disagree with you. I also don't don't disagree that they're not going to tweak the model, but that's not the question. This yeah, is, reset this the is question because it's not about what they're doing now. Right. Let's go ahead, Anthony. If you have been somebody that does not like the Cardinals' current model for building a roster, there's three ways you can build a roster just from general, just for general purposes: the draft, free agency, and trades. I have noticed a fair amount of Cardinals fans, whether you're texting into the show, tweeting at us, or, you know, you're participating in chats like the one I read today from Derek Gould at stltoday.com, you're frustrated by the fact that Cardinals don't spend more in free agency. How would you go about building it? Not necessarily like, I would sign Aaron Judge. It doesn't have to be that specific. For example, Jamie, I would be somebody that would develop through the draft that be my bedrock. Boring. Use free agency <laughs> to sign one or two one or two year deals. Hey. I would avoid five year deals. I would avoid six year deals on players that are quite frankly good, not great. I wouldn't go that route. I would have never signed Mike Bleak. I would have never signed Dexter Fowler. I would have never signed those type of players. Mm. Nimmo. I wouldn't sign. To me commit five or six years to a to a player that is slightly above average now what the hell is that going to look like in three years i agree so i would avoid that i would use free agency as a way to supplement my roster get get it better but i would not go the long-term route i would go one or two years i would also avoid the 10-year deals the 13-year deals what the hell is that going to look like in seven years yeah but that is my that way might be of the going it. rate Okay, so if you're somebody that does it differently, how would you do it with the Cardinals? Yeah, what do you like or not like? How would you change it? Maybe you're saying, you know, we won't mention the team, okay, but F those picks. I want certainty. Okay, well, now now, now you got an issue. Oh, you're talking about the Padres. Uh, The Padres are, yeah, maybe. No, I'm thinking California, just not that team. I was thinking of a different sport. I am. But but that 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 is one model. I want the certainty. I'm going to pay for it via prospects or draft picks. Maybe you're somebody that says prospects will never. I'm not worried about prospects. Not worried about it. I'm going to trade the prospects for the proven talent. Fine. That's a way to go about it. How would you build your model? So hopefully we kind of laid it out there again. And we're going to revisit this throughout the course of the show. But why don't we hear from Ben next? Guys, the Cardinals, what I wish they would have done in the offseason was got a mid-tier catcher 
if you could have got Sean Murphy, so be it. Or I'm not even opposed to a lower-level catcher. I would have signed one of the top-tier shortstops. Take your pick. Preferably not Dansby Swanson, but any of the other guys. Then that would have left you with Wynn and the other guys to put a package together of some of the prospects to help pitching. Keep Tommy Edmond at second base. He's a gold glover. Why mess with it? Then in the outfield, you just kind of got a new Rhode Island this thing and hope that uh, Tyler O'Neill can come back to form. Jordan Walker does what he should be able to do and run it out to the field. Thanks, guys. All right, Ben, thank you for the mic drop. Uh, look, at we appreciate all ideas. I might disagree uh, or I might agree. I don't know. I think I disagree on the catcher thing. A couple reasons. One is, well, Sean Murphy wasn't a lower or mid-tier catcher. He was the top of the food chain when it comes to trade acquisitions. So that would have cost you player currency for that and prospect currency. So I think if you're talking lower to mid-tier, you'd have been dropping way deeper into the catcher pool. And if so, like, and you go sign a shortstop. Let's say it's Korea. Let's just use Korea. Did you really get better? Because... You didn't, because in my opinion, you signed Contreras, but you still need another bat. So if you had a mid to lower level catcher, and then you go get Correa, you literally just did the same thing. You just swapped catcher for shortstop. So you went and got another bat, but you didn't get enough bats yet. And more expensive for more years. Yeah. So, um, you know, I understand what Ben was trying to do there. Save money behind the plate, add money to the shortstop position. But they kind of did it in reverse, and except now they at least they have a gold glove second baseman playing shortstop who is in the discussion for gold glove. They have Brendan Donovan, who's a gold glover as well. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I Like do. their defense, they're, they're mm-hmm. not disrupting the roster as much. If you put a mid to lower level catcher after you've just had Yadier Molina for however many years, 20 years, Yeah, I don't know how that flies. I agree. I'm I I'm fine with what they I'm fine with what they did. Our conversation is as you know, Jim. We're we're trying to expand it more. Yeah, but I like the idea. I do too. I I I like the uh, look. All opinions, we love them. You know, send send them in. What we're trying there's to no say, right though, answer until this team wins the World Series with whatever model they're using. For some, how do you get there then? I think that's the question, Otani. right? Otani. What about the people that? <laughs> What'd you say? Otani. Otani. <laughs> what about the people that that? think what they're doing now is fine well that i think they're is scared what if they don't want to <laughs> yeah, well, no, probably, some yeah. of them are some of them are sending in some mic drops yeah well that's fine too let's uh, again I, I what i'm interested in is knowing how cardinals fans are thinking because we all want to play kind of that that gm role that's what we're doing if you're if you're complaining about mo you're playing gm i would have done this but if you're going to play GM, then step into all of it, not just I would have signed that guy. You're talking about one singular move or two singular moves. If you want to play GM, talk about philosophy. How would you build the roster? Would it be mostly draft or mostly draft? Then I'm going to trade the picks to get proven talent, which is fine. But there's some holes there. Juan Soto is a perfect example of that. You would have unloaded the farm system for Soto for two years with no guarantee 
that he would have come back. But maybe that's your philosophy. I want that proven certainty right now, and I'll kick the can down the road. That's what we're kind of looking for. So our Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. We understand if you can't send us a mic drop, although it is really easy, just on the 101 mobile app to get a little microphone, just click that and send it to us. But we did get a good one from the 314. Because you had said, well, what about the people who believe in what's going on here, you know? Yeah, sure. So said, uh, I would do what they're doing currently, draft and develop through the system, and then sprinkle in some really good players, maybe three or four really good players but the way teams are forming super teams now, you need at least three or four really good players in the lineup to win a championship. The Cardinals also need to start doing a better job of evaluating their own talent. If you're going to draft and develop and use that model, then you need to know your players and not trade away great players and keep the average ones. That's from the 314. Yeah, I I, uh, I, I, I agree I would phrase it as if you're going to go this route, and I'm saying I'm I'm good with it because I'm I'm also choosing to kind of build this way because I think it's more sustainable. But I've admitted that there's a, there's there's always risk, right? There's risk if you want to go f- heavy in free agency. There's risk if you want to go heavy along the line of I'm going to draft these 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 players, I'm going to develop them, then I'm going to trade them for proven talent because their proven prospects aren't. There's a risk to that, and there's also a risk to say I'm going to use these prospects to contend. Well, the risk there is you better you better draft well. You better be outstanding from that standpoint. And you better be outstanding when it comes to developing these guys too. Because if you play the long game, cool. They've got to pan out. You can't have a couple of busts when it comes to the, your, your top prospects. So you when can't you play the long game, you better consistently have good drafts. Exactly. Because you got to churn it out. You have to have that staggered. If you're only counting yes. one good draft every four years, then all you're doing is the rebuild model almost. Right. And you can't do that. You have to draft every year. When you have a good draft, let's say the Cardinals had a good draft last year. This year there has to be an influx of at least one or two young guys to their lineup. Mm-hmm. And so on and so on and so on. Or if you're not developing as fast as you're needing to be, then you're stuck. Right. That's when you got to dive into your pockets and go find the guy to fill that spot. Yeah. That's why I say every four or five years – the Cardinals need to be like, okay, we've had a couple of really good drafts here. We're going to send some prospects. We're going to get a proven talent in because we really need a guy at this position or we really need talent in this area. And then, boom, back to the draft board right. and keep building around that. That's Jeremy Rivers from Anthony Salter. We will revisit this in the 4 o'clock hour and the 5 o'clock hour. But have injuries been the main source of inconsistency for the Blues? We'll talk about it next on one when he's helped. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We got a text in 314-399-9646 to the Air Comfort Service text line saying, great, you guys only played two mic drops of red one. One message. Awesome. I was disappointed in you, Anthony. Number one, we're as I mentioned, I mentioned it last segment, I mentioned it twice. We will be revisiting the Cardinals topic. Number two, don't whine. Uh, have injuries <laughs> been the main source of that one, inconsistency for for the blues, Jamie? Well, it's certainly I, I made light of it on the way out on the before the break saying it hasn't helped. It hasn't. Um look, this team I I tried to find out how many games this year they've actually had their full roster? I think it's like two or three. That's not great. I mean, when you take into consideration Logan Brown, um, 
being available or not being available for the home opener, then Torpchenko coming back in, and some of the other ones along the way. I don't think they've had a full team for more than a small handful of games. I'm still working on trying to figure out. doesn't matter. The point is, is that every team has injuries. The Colorado Avalanche have been decimated with injuries this year to big players, too. Landis Cog's been out. McKinnon's been out. McKinnon is back now. So the Blues are not the only uh, victims of the injury bug this year, but it does make a difference. And if you look at the three guys that were just out, if you isolate just this last little period of time, you got Riley Tarasenko and Krug. That's three guys off of your power play. And then you wonder, well, why is the power play not consistent? Three of your guys that were part of your power play last year and the year before, that was a pretty darn good power play, top five in the NHL, top three last year, are off your power play. So when you talk about is this team suffering because of injury, the inconsistencies are are, uh, magnified by the injury. Yeah, they are. I mean, you have no choice but to do that. But then if you move the ball forward, what do you do about it? What do you do? You sit there and cry about it? No, you can't. This is why your depth has to be there, and this is why Doug Armstrong signs depth players to be able to help out. Like, when you look at the Blues on their their back end right now, Marco Scandella was supposed to be available. He's not. So you insert Nico Mikula. I think that's an adequate swap out right there. Some would argue that it's an upgrade. Some would say it's a downgrade. Some would say it's right on par. It doesn't matter. You had a guy that step in there. Scott Perunovic goes down. Callie Rosen. He's done a great job. And then Tory Krug goes down. You've got Tyler Tucker that's come up. Steven Santini. Those guys have not hurt your club. I would argue that the inconsistency among some of their top players on the back end is probably more of the reason for some of their problems throughout the course of the year. But you've got depth. And you go to the forward position. A lot to be said there, too. Now, their depth was really tested for a little while there. They had Will Bitten up here and had some other guys where you're like, huh, who's that? Like, not really sure who these guys are in the organization. Alexandrov was a guy that's relatively unknown to Blues fans. But he came up, did a real good job, so much so you're like, oh, wow, we got that down there? And he's putting up goals in the American Hockey League. So although he wasn't a you know, big-time goal scorer up here, that wasn't his role. But he put up a couple, you know, put up some points here, did a good job, played the way that Craig Bruby needed him to play. And a lot of these guys have done a good job of filling the void. For me... The biggest inconsistencies have come from the guys who are regulars. And the injuries have magnified that because those guys are getting more minutes. They're getting more important minutes. They're getting put in bigger situations. And they're not able to perform to the maximum that you need. Mm -hmm. And so that's, to me, where the inconsistencies have happened is the injuries suck and it elevates people into the lineup. I think those guys have been elevated into the lineup are fine. The guys in your lineup that have been promoted within the group, I feel like that's where some of the inconsistencies have happened. But it's kind of natural because some of those guys are are in uncharted territories. And some of those guys still have to continue to take the bigger steps. Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, got to take bigger steps. You want to be Ryan O'Reilly? You want to be Vladimir Tarasenko? Take bigger steps. And they're trying to. But there's growing pains along the way with that, too. Yeah, Jamie, I'm with you in terms of the injuries. They certainly don't help. How could they? The, The... The underlying issue, though, I think, when it comes to finding inconsistency has been the play. It's been the play. It's been all of the issues that you have broken down on the back end, the defensive issues, the the backdoor tap-ins. I mean, how many times do we see that? That is a fundamental issue. 
And it's either a player thing, a production thing, or a design thing. And if it's a design thing, I think the coaching staff, uh, I know that the coaching staff is the right coaching staff to figure a lot of these issues out. You know, maybe it is a design problem, but it's only a design problem because players aren't executing what they should be doing within that design. I don't know. You can answer that because you're a hockey guy. Craig Bruby can answer that. The players can answer that. I, I don't know. But when it comes to a lot of the simple breakdowns that we have seen in games this year, that is not an injury thing. I'm sure it doesn't help because you have those guys out. And I agree that the power play winds up being a big issue when you've got Tarasenko and, and Tori Krug out. But when it comes to the defensive problems that you that you have outlined, not only in this segment, but in previous segments and, and in, over the last two months, that is not just an injury problem. That's like saying, you know, um, I don't know, something is something something's broken within within the house. Right. Uh we got a leak in the basement. Well, don't turn on the faucet then. No, we've got a leak. We can't just say don't turn on the faucet. Problem fixed. You've got a leak in the basement, dude. You got to fix. You got to fix that. That's mm-hmm. the issue. Yeah, I agree. Then we can kind of talk about whether or not the faucet's running too much. I agree. It's a, exactly kind of what we've been talking about this this segment is the guys that have been elevated into those positions or the guys that occupy those important roles have had inconsistent seasons right. so far, whether it be offensively or whether it be defensively, that is what's hurting this club. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. Don't forget Blues. Buffalo Buffaloes. Pre-game at 6 o'clock right here on 101 ESPN. In fact, Jamie's only got the gauntlet, and then he's got to go downtown. He's got to uh, got to get on the, uh, the the TV. You're in between the benches again. Between the benches, baby. Oh, boy. So Jamie Rivers in between the benches tonight. You can listen to the game right here on 101 ESPN Blues Radio Network. We do have the gauntlet. We got a, we got a new cycle here. We got a new contestant after Wild Bill. Met his fate yesterday on his birthday against Marshy. What do you mean, met his fate? He lost to Marshy. Oh. Yeah. No, he lost. Jamie, why have to take it to the extreme? I just meant he, he lost to Marsh. The way you were, it was. Anthony's been very negative today, especially starting off the show with the Pavel Buchnevich information. Oh, just... Marshy coming after you today. You mean the information that everybody already had? That information? Anthony. I mean the information I just simply read? Anthony, we got a text from the 636. That information was worse than when I ruined Bill's birthday. Mm. Thanks a lot, Anthony. That's not a bad call on that. Yeah. Gauntlet next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Can you survive the gauntlet? It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. you got a new contestant in Gauntlet 2.0. It's Schooner. What's up, Schooner? Not much. How are you doing, Anthony? Doing real well. So you uh, have you listened to Gauntlet 2.0? I have, yes. Okay, so you know then that you get to choose the opponent, but the wheel chooses the category for us. Sound good? Yes, sir. Yep. All right, so would you like to take on Marsh, Jamie, or myself for round one? I'll take on Jamie. Okay, God, I like that. Picked a lot lately. You have, son yeah. of a. Uh, oh, and two <laughs> thus far. Hoping for football. Let's, okay. Let's get some football. Oh, and two thus far in Gauntlet <laughs> 2.0. You're looking for it. You know what? I hope it is football. Bring it on, baby. It's okay. game day. All right, Jamie. The Good luck, by the way. Fire is coming out. I love it. That's the Jamie Rivers we love. So Jamie's going to head out right now. Uh, Schooner, just say one, two, three. Spin that wheel. One, two, three. Spin that wheel. Marsh just spun that puppy. Now, it is this wheel has been loaded hockey. 
but Jamie has not done hockey yet. Oh, this one's interesting. Wow. Okay, so, uh, Schooner, what was the category that Jamie typically did the questions for in Gauntlet it 1.0? Was ho- it was hockey. Yeah. No, well, he did. I'm sorry, I should rephrase it. He, he played in hockey. What was the ones that he wrote the questions for? Do you remember? Oh, I don't know that. It's random, and that is where... Oh, come on. Yeah, now he he doesn't obviously do these questions now. They're all done by Grant Francis. It's all on the, uh, up and up, uh, but it's random trivia today. How do you well, feel about I that? Didn't, I didn't want random. I wanted sports. I got a lot of sports knowledge. I don't have random knowledge. Oh, no. Well, there are some sports <laughs> mixed in. I don't know how you feel about them, but all right, Schooner. So maybe maybe you lean on the options. Um, if, you, if you want the options, they're worth one point. If you don't use the options and you get the question right though that's worth two points you ready yes sir yes sir question number one what animal cannot stick out its tongue this is random hmm Uh, i guess i'm going to the options yeah i would i don't blame (laughs) me there okay so what animal cannot stick out its tongue a crocodile a turtle or a hippo It'd be a crocodile. Final answer? Yes, sir. Question number two. What was the first team with 20 Final Four appearances in the NCAA men's basketball tournament? What team? The first team. Duke. You said Duke? Yes, sir. Is that your final answer? Yes, sir. All right, Schooner. Question three. Which country is home to the world's deepest lake? I don't need the options on that. Russia, Libya, Iceland, or Eastland. Huh? Why is it Iceland or Eastland? Because <laughs> depends on how you say it. Yeah, it depends on how you say it. We'll go with Iceland for this one. So Russia, uh, Libya, or Iceland? I'll say Iceland. Final answer? Yes, sir. All right, last question. This is a fill-in-the-blank. In bowling, three strikes in a row is a turkey. Six strikes in a row is a wild turkey, and nine strikes in a row is a what turkey? There's no options. There are options. Yeah. Do you oh, want the options? No options? I'm going to the options. Your options are lucky turkey, golden turkey, or perfect turkey. Golden turkey. Final answer? Yep. Man, you guys are killing me. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Grant, you know, Grant Francis, who does all the you know, questions. Hockey, baseball, football, and you got this stuff. I'm yeah. Well, it's tough. Grant Francis has done an excellent job, I think, on that. That last one's really fun. All right, Schooner, so Jamie's got his, his headphones back yeah. back on here. How do we do here? All right. uh, you better pack a lunch. Pack a lunch. All right. Pack a lunch. Now, the wheel has been very loaded to hockey, which, of course, is Jamie's – Jamie's forte. Now, Jamie did lose last week in hockey. I did, Bill. Wow, Bill well, got Bill me. got him. Yeah, I would have taken that. But, Jamie, it is not hockey. Oh, God. Are you ready? Bring that football to me, man. What animal cannot oh, stick out its tongue? <laughs> this, I think, is like kind of pure. It's ironic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pure it irony. It can't stick out its tongue. What I think animal I know this. cannot stick out its Give tongue? Give me the options. Cron... Uh, <laughs> Is it a crocodile, a turtle, or a hippo? 
A crocodile, turtle, or a hippo? A crocodile, if you open their mouth and you touch the tongue, they snap down right away. Uh, a hippo, I feel like a hippo can stick his tongue out. The crocodile. I don't think a crocodile can get stick its tongue outside that, that long snout. It's got that long snout. <laughs> I'm going to say crocodile. Final right. answer? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> Jamie, question Malagate. number two. Alligator <laughs> go. He's so angry because he got all them teeth and he no got no toothbrush. Well, Mama's wrong again. <laughs> Mama's right. You're wrong, Curtis Sanders. All right, Jamie, which was the first team with 20 Final Four appearances in the NCAA Men's Basketball oh. Tournament? The first team. First team. Okay, so North, North Carolina, Duke, and somebody else, right? Give me the options. Your options are North Carolina, <laughs> Duke, and that somebody else is UCLA. Oh, my God. 20. The first to 20. I'm going to say North Carolina. I'm going to go with the Tar Heel. Final answer? Yeah, why not? North Carolina. North which, Carolina. Which country is home to the world's deepest lake? Mm, the deepest lake. I feel like the United States would be on this list. I feel like Canada would be on this list. Give me the options. I'm going to look for an outlier. Russia, Libya, Iceland. Huh. Russia, Libya, Iceland. I've been to Russia. Mm, I haven't really visited a lot of lakes up there in Russia. Hmm. Libya and Iceland. Iceland is actually very green. Uh, I'm going to go with Iceland. Final. Okay. Final question, Jamie. It's a fill in the blank. In bowling, three strikes in a row is a turkey. Six strikes in a row is a wild turkey. And nine strikes in a row is a what turkey? What? What? That's what? That's what we're asking you. So a turkey, a wild turkey. And a blank turkey. I don't know. Give me the options. Is it a lucky turkey? Uh-huh. A golden turkey or a perfect turkey? How many in a row? Nine strikes in a row. That would be nine frames, right? Nine strikes in a row. It wouldn't be a perfect turkey because a perfect turkey would be three strikes in the last frame and give you 12 strikes. So that would be perfect. So I'll go with a golden turkey. Final answer? Yeah. Okay, I like the breakdown there. I don't know. I mean, perfect game would be all strikes. It'd be perfect turkey. Okay. Like Mama used to make. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mama's right. You're wrong. Oh. All right, uh, let's go over these. Schooner versus Jamie Rivers. And by the way, Jamie, Schooner did not want random. He wanted one of the sports categories. It's well, on random. Look at these questions. Look at these questions. <laughs> Schooner, at least we went through this together. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to start with the last one to fill in the blank. In bowling, three strikes in a row is a turkey. Six strikes in a row is a wild turkey. And nine strikes in a row is a what turkey? Schooner took the options. You went golden turkey. Jamie took the options. You also went golden turkey. Yep. Correct answer is golden. Golden turkey is correct. You guys got wow. uh, one point each. So At one least one. we're on the board. What animal cannot stick out its tongue? Schooner, you went crocodile. Oh, God. Jamie, you went crocodile. Correct answer is it's a crocodile. Nice job, guys. 2-2. Two, because two. both of you guys used the options there. 2-2. Two, two. Oh, no. Which country is home to the world's deepest lake? Jamie, you went with 
Iceland. Iceland. Schooner, you went with Iceland. <laughs> Correct answer is it's Russia. Oh, Russia. Man, Russia. Sir Siberia, Jamie. No, uh, well, I, listen, what? when I was in Siberia, the lakes the, were not available. You kept the feet moving. Uh, yeah, quickly. Right. I almost died in Siberia. So it was Russia. One one or two two tie between Jamie and between Schooner. You guys answered the same questions for those three questions, or you answered the same way in uh -huh. those three questions. What was the first team oh, with 20 Final Four appearances in the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament? Schooner, you did not use the options, although it really doesn't matter because you're tied right now, and this is the final question, but you did not use the options. The key is that you said Duke because that was an option. So at least you chose something that was an option. You said Duke. Jamie, you said North Carolina after hearing the options. Yeah. If it's Duke, Schooner wins today. If it's North Carolina, Jamie wins today. If it's UCLA, we've got ourselves a walk-off. Great. Schooner. You have chosen poorly. You lose! Jamie gets his first call at 2.0 victory. It came in random. And Schooner, I'm sorry, man. It's it horrible. It's the luck of the draw. It is. It's luck of the draw when it comes to the, the wheel. Thanks for listening, man. Thanks for playing. Uh, see you guys later. Good job, Schooner. Good Take care, man. Nice job, Schooner. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jamie, congratulations. First call of victory. It is. 2.0. Yep. I whittled my way through that thinking UCLA, my head, I'm like, they haven't been to as many as I think. Early years, I wasn't really sure, but then I go, okay, so North Carolina's had some stud players come through there. Like, there's no way. Duke, I feel like it's recent, like more recent than way back when. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's how I got there. I think what is honestly more impressive is the, the last one, because if you didn't get golden, you know, the way the questions are set up, mm -hmm. you guys were tied. So if you don't go golden on the last one, then we are heading to a tiebreaker. I almost went perfect, but then I remembered that you can get three strikes in the last frame. You broke that down. Very well. You Quite broke, the bowler, Anthony. You broke that down. Got in, a good bowler's grip, they in, tell me. In a golden fashion. Okay, Jamie, that's it. That's Jamie. Uh, he's going to head down to Enterprise Center. He's going to be between the benches tonight, do a little TV Pick work. Pick that 17 Yep, Jamie, split. we got it. We'll see you, buddy. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Actually, we'll talk to you at uh, 5.15, and at that point, you'll, you'll be ready to talk hockey, I'm sure. All right, uh, moving on here. We're going to get back to the question that we th that we uh, threw out there for Cardinals fans. If you believe the model is broken, how would you fix it? Or maybe you don't think it's broken. You think the model is just fine. We'll hear from you, too. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. How about we look at our scouts and our talent evaluators, look at over the, all the talent that we've lost in the last 10 years, you know, due to waiving or trading or not re-signing. Look at all the talent that we've had that could really help our current roster out. Ozuna, players like that, that we've lost. It's just a sin. All right, so that was, well, the last one obviously was Janet. Joshua was, was talking about 
in reference to my question today, which is that if you're someone that believes that the Cardinals model is broken, or let's just say it needs to be tweaked, how would you fix it? How would you tweak it? And Josh, he, Joshua kind of outlined why I would be hesitant sometimes to give up players in, in a deal that you think, well, this. If, if you're somebody that says, I want to make sure that I have certainty, I have I know that prospects are just that. They're just they're, they're prospects. Go out there and get the sure thing. We could argue whether or not Ozuna was a sure thing, and it didn't it didn't work out for the Cardinals. So you could say, well, you know, we gave up too much in that deal. First of all, that was the cost of doing business. And two, you needed that because you didn't draft position players well. Over the last couple of years, the Cardinals have adjusted that because they were just going for pitcher, pitchers. It's why you had organizations calling constantly, wanting to deal with the Cardinals to get their pitchers, to get their young pitching prospects. Now it's flipped because they've had a, more of a concentration on getting high-end position players through the draft, such as Jordan Walker, Nolan Gorman, or Dylan Carlson, or Mason Wynn. But that's the risk if you do want to build your model, build your roster, saying, I'll give up the prospects because that's all they are. They're just prospects. Give me the proven thing. Ozuna is a perfect example of what could go si- what could go wrong if you do that. You give up a Cy Young winner and a really good starting pitcher in Zach Gallen. So you had Sandy Alcantara being the Cy Young winner and Zach Gallen being the starter. I'm not saying the Cardinals shouldn't have done that. I have always argued I understood why they traded for Ozuna. Oscar Tavares passed away in that car accident in his hometown, and then you didn't have high-end position players that could hit in the middle of your lineup. So you had to go out and get Ozuna, and it's not just Ozuna. Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado are the flip side of things, giving up some prospects to get the proven talent that can hit in the middle of the order. The difference between the Ozuna trade and the Goldschmidt-slash-Arenado deals is you didn't give up top prospects in the other two. It's not like the Cardinals and and Joshua, you know, I've heard this before from from other people as well. Hell, I've said it before too. Well, you have to understand what you have in your organization. The Cardinals knew what they had in Sandy Alcantara. They they might not have known that he's going to be a Cy Young winner, but it's it's not as if they weren't aware that they were giving up a really good pitching prospect to get Marcelo Zuna. They paid the price because they wanted to have somebody to hit behind Paul Goldschmidt. They knew they needed another bat. The majority of the Cardinals fans at that time said they needed to get another bat, and they were right. The difference is you you have to develop those guys. You have to draft those guys, develop those guys. I would like the Cardinals to avoid those type of deals. You want If, if you're a GM in any sport, you want to trade – from the position of strength. Look at how the Dodgers do it. When they get somebody like Mookie Betts or a deal that has Max Scherzer and Trey Turner in it, do you think the Dodgers don't understand what's, you know, that they're giving up good players in that deal, good prospects? They do. But they also have drafted to damn near perfection, knowing that they're not going to crush their farm system while also adding big league talent. If you're the Cardinals, that's where you want to get to. 
And people will say, well, the Dodgers, you know, they can spend big. I, I get that. That's different. That's a different market. I understand. Look at what the, how the Dodgers do this offseason. They sign up that Aaron Judge is a Dodger now. Carlos Rodon is a Dodger. Justin Verlander's no, they didn't do much. They signed, they, they re-signed Clayton Kershaw. They know that their farm system, that's that is the key. Whether they develop those guys and they become stars, or they trade those guys for stars and then lock them up long term, that's kind of the Dodgers model. You, you can't do anything about the markets. Could the Cardinals spend more? Yeah. Could the Cardinals spend the way the Dodgers have in the past and the Mets do now and the Padres do now and the, the Phillies do now? No. And they won't. That's not their model. But I think you want to develop that farm system so you're either contending with those guys, and I mean those guys, those prospects, or you are trading them to get big league talents, but you're also not ruining your farm system. And that last part is something the Cardinals – didn't do well off. They, they made the trades. They made the Ozuna trade, decimated the farm system. Now we're talking about a starting five that would have been a hell of a lot. It would have been in much better shape with the Sandy Alcantara on the top of it. All right, let's uh, let's get some more mic drops. Here is David. I don't think that the um, model is broken because we continue to bring people up through the minor league system that are effective players. The problem is they won't go out and get – that star player they need to push them over the top, whether that be a starting pitcher, whether it be another left-handed bat in that lineup. The, pro- the problem with the Cardinals is I think they're in love with the minor league system and they think they can fix most of their problems that way and then hope to find somebody that they can add that doesn't cost them a lot of money or too much money anyway. I really think that um, that's kind of where it's at. And, and I don't think that their goal is the same. You know, the goal used to be to win a World Series. Now it's just to get to the playoffs and hope you get hot. I heard Mo say that. So you have to change your philosophy and your goal on, on what you're trying to accomplish because they accomplish what they say they want to do. They get to the playoffs every year. They just can't win when they get there. So they're going to have to come up with a way to start looking out and saying, let's get those players we need to to truly go for a World Series. But the goal has to change back to winning the series and not just to make it to the playoffs. Uh, okay, so David, thank you for the, thank you for the mic drop. I agree with a lot of what you just said. I really do. The don't forget that was Dewitt who said that though, not Mo. And I'm not saying Mo doesn't have the same philosophy, but it was it was Dewitt who said, you know, if you look if you look at the postseason and look at how teams have wanted, it's you know a break here and there. Our model is you know to, to, we got to get in the postseason, and we've been successful at that. So it wasn't Mo. It was it was it was Dewitt, and that is a point that I've made in the past about spending. If you're pissed about the Cardinals not spending more, yet you, you got to point your finger higher than Moe's uh, office. You got to go a little higher up the food train, chain there. That's that's the ownership. Uh, but David, what you said about falling short, you know, I, I'm fine with the model. It's just they hold on to the prospects too much and they don't go for it. Uh, I'm sorry for paraphrasing a little bit there, but I think that's kind of your your point. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you in prospects if you want to quote unquote go for it, or you got to break open the bank. And, and to really go for it. Now, you could do that. Just understand that if you want a star player, you have seen what the star players are getting. Manny Machado has got a loaded contract. Bryce Harper, I think he signed for, what, 10 years, 11 years? Correa, before failing two physicals, was going to get 13 years from the Giants and I think 12 years from the Mets. You want? Do you want to go down that route? You develop your stars, and then you hold on to them. That's my philosophy. That's my opinion. Now, where I will agree with David, just in a different manner, is 
instead of instead of paying for that mid-range free agent, are you willing or maybe rephrase it? If, are you are you willing to trade for that top of the line guy, even if he's a rental, because you got a special team? And I don't think the the Cardinals have that special team this year. They're not a World Series contender. They're a playoff contender, not a World Series contender. Are you willing to pay the price to go out and get, you know, somebody that's going to hurt you financially or or in prospects? I, I don't I don't think the Cardinals have been they've they've often kind of fallen short on that. So I think that's where David and I do align. Can you can you recognize the team you have and then kind of in one deal push push the chips in even if it's a rental? Because rentals, they, they don't cost as much in player prospects. It's still going to hurt you, but they don't cost as much because they are a rental. You're only talking about two months. And if you're not dealing from the top of your farm system, can you, go, can you make a deal like that to get a rental to push you over the top? In fairness to Mull, wasn't in that, that spot the last two years. The Brewers were leading the division at the t- trade deadline this year. Last year, it took a, a winning streak to get you into the postseason. So I'm glad they didn't necessarily go for Scherzer or that, but what would have been the point, at least at the time? More of your mic drops coming up at 5 o'clock. We're going to visit with Alex Ferrario live from Enterprise Center next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Andrew Marsh just told you in the Sports Center update. Don't forget Blues and the Buffalo Buffaloes tonight. Pre-game, six o'clock. You'll hear Alex Ferrario, who now joins us live from Enterprise Center. He'll be on the pre-game, the post-game, and the intermissions uh, for the Blues and Blues Radio Network tonight. What's up, Alex? Not much, Stoltz. The Buffalo Buffaloes rolling into town. How about that? The old Buffalo Buffaloes. That's right, uh, Alex. The big news today, of course, is that uh, you get you getting some guys back. You got Vladimir Tarasenko, Tori Krug. They they were activated today. Yesterday they activated Logan Brown, but sadly, uh, Bar they uh, act they deactivated essentially or put on IR Pavel Buchnevich. So let's start with the positives here. You get those three guys coming back. What if you're building an argument that the Blues can find consistency now with those three guys back, how how would you build that argument? Boy, that would be a tough argument to make um, because I feel like the consistency actually— Alex, I said the good news first. Well, I was actually going to compliment you on starting off optimistically, and then I just oh, poo-pooed don't. that. Don't so. you do that. You know what? Both of us are negative, Nancy Stoltz. <laughs> Let's just live right there. But here's the thing. When you were without— Tory Krug, the power play was, I believe, 1% worse than what it was this season with Tory Krug in the lineup. But you also took a guy out of the lineup who had a point streak of five in four games before he was injured, and they played without him for 13 games. And then you were without O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko for 10. Both records without those players were above 500. So the team found a way to keep their head above water. The argument to be made for consistency with these guys in the lineup was going back to the earlier portion of
of the season when they went on that seven-game winning streak. And we've seen this team win games against higher-tier opponents and finding ways to come out with victories. Now, the downside of that is we've also seen the opposite of that with this Blues team. But, look, you're putting those two guys back in the lineup, and, and I think it's beneficial, one, for the power play, obviously. Even though the power play actually has been having some success, you want more shots on goal. The flip side of that, you're also taking a Pavel Buchnevich out and putting a Vladimir Tarasenko in, who has been skating for the last couple of weeks with these guys, and the shot looks spot on. So that's a positive for this team. In terms of consistency, I think that's that remains to be seen because, one, they've been out for multiple weeks, and two, it just felt like you really couldn't find that consistency with the line combination. I do love the fact that Brandon Saad is staying with Thomas and Kairou, though. All right, so conversely now, we've got to talk about losing a guy like uh, Pavel Buchnevich. What's, what's the biggest loss? Man, I, the biggest loss for him is going to be the depth of consistency offensively. Barubi talked about it earlier today. Uh, he was asked by the media, you know, what are you losing in Pavel Buchnevich? And he said everything because he is a two-way forward. Just as much as we talk about the points per game production from Pavel Buchnevich and how he provides that goal-scoring ability, don't forget the penalty kills that he has helped this penalty kill kind of put their head above water. Don't forget the power play that he's been effective on with this team. And really, don't forget he, you know, we talk a lot about Thomas and Kairou being Mr. Fix-It for guys to try and get that line going. Pavel Buchnevich has kind of been a Mr. Fix-It as well, moving him down to play with Braden Shen. We saw the best of Jake Neighbors, I feel like, the last couple of games playing with Braden Shen and Pavel Buchnevich. But I, I believe you're losing that two-way style with Pavel Buchnevich, and that comes in the penalty kill. That comes in the uh, play in your own zone. But if this has been something that's been nagging him for a while, have you always ask the question, have you been getting the best of Pavel Buchnevich? So it's a good thing that he's able to rest up here, but in terms of their own zone, I think that's where it's going to affect them the most. Alex Ferrario, of course, you can listen to him not only on our pregame show tonight for the Blues and the Buffalo Buffaloes, but, of course, in uh, BK and Ferrario middays here on 101 ESPN. Alex, the, of course, the big topic of conversation, not only on our show, but your show and you know, even nationally is now that you got Vladimir Tarasenko back, you got the trade deadline that's that that will eventually be looming. If you were to kind of predict what could happen here with Tarasenko, what, what would you put your money on? I feel like it's still the trade. Um, and it's funny you bring that up because I, I was listening to uh, the Jeff Merrick show podcast on my way down here to Enterprise Center. And this was Elliot Friedman, of course, a, a national uh, analyst who is really in depth in terms of uh, around the league. This is what Friedman said. He said, do, do I think Tarasenko is going to get traded? Yes, I, I think he will. Do I think O'Reilly's going to get traded? Yes, I'm coming more around to that. Absolutely. But I also think the Blues have more pieces like an Acharya, Barbashev, and Mikla. But it starts with Vladimir Tarasenko. And, you know, my tinfoil early earlier today was you, you lose a Pavel Buchnevich, which is a massive loss for this team, but this also gives the Blues the opportunity to put him in the top six because if, if all health was on the Blues' side and Vladdy was coming back tonight, part of me wonders if Vladimir was playing on that third line because I don't know if you're breaking up Pavel Buchnevich and Braden Shen, although Jake Neighbors did drop down, so maybe they would have kept Buch and Vladdy with Braden Shen, but 
I believe it's still going to be the trade route for Vladimir Tarasenko just because of the need of goal scoring around the National Hockey League. The Carolina Hurricanes lost Max Pacioretty for the rest of the season. That was a player that they were banking on having in the postseason that they acquired from Vegas to be a goal scorer. The New York Rangers have continued to talk about not having that top-end goal-scoring ability. There will be teams looking for that, and when you look at the names that are out there right now, Bo Horvat's a goal scorer, but he's a centerman. You also look at Patrick Kane. He's going to cost a team a lot because multiple teams are going to have to eat some of that salary to take on $11 million. And when it comes to Vladimir Tarasenko, you got you know half of the cap that's going to be against him by the trade deadline, and it just comes down to, to moving that no trade clause. So uh, the, the, this next 12 games that the Blues play with Vladimir Tarasenko are going to be massive, and it benefits him and Doug Armstrong, I feel, to have this top six role once again. Same question, Ryan O'Reilly. What do you think? That one I am still not sure on. One, because who knows when he's going to be back. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford, who was with us today on BK and Ferrario, talked about it. You know, he, he still hasn't been able to get that uh, skate on, at least from our knowledge. Uh, I did see him uh, when the Hall of Fame ceremony was going on. He was still walking around with some crutches. So you're probably post-breakaway. And the thing with that is you're also – a lower body injury without putting that skate on. You got to get the stamina back up, although these guys are in great shape. Ryan O'Reilly, I'm, I'm just uncertain about because as much as it makes sense, he's going to be a hot commodity around the National Hockey League, especially when it comes to him not having a no-trade clause. His postseason production, if you go look at his last four postseasons with the Blues, he's essentially been a point-per-game player. And when it comes to centermen around the National Hockey League available, it starts with Bo Horvat, who's going to cost a team an arm and a leg to get him. And then you go to Jonathan Taves, although, one, I don't know if he's going to be traded. Two, do teams still see that production in him because of his last couple of years of being in and out of the lineup? So the commodity is going to be at an all-time high for Ryan O'Reilly. The question for Doug Armstrong, and I'm sure he's probably still wondering this, is how much does it affect our locker room moving forward? Because you're trading away a captain, you're trading away a voice in that room, and what does that look like without him beyond this season? Alex, good stuff. We're looking forward to hearing you at 6 o'clock tonight. Stoltz, appreciate it, buddy. Uh, don't root too hard for the Buffalo Buffaloes. No, that's, I won't. I just uh, love, love the name, though. Obviously, it always makes too. us think of Dunk. Uh, Alex, be good, man. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Stoltz. See you, buddy. Again, Alex Ferrario tonight. Blues and the Sabres pregame starting at 6 o'clock here on 101 ESPN. Sports Six Pack is next. Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. Your opportunity to ask any questions, and uh, we'll, we'll do that next. Sports Six Pack here in the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery. Uh, that uh, promo in the commercial reminded me that we need to give away some Adam Sandler tickets. So let's do that. Every day this week, we have your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Adam Sandler live at Enterprise Center on Friday, February 10th. Limited tickets remain to see the Adam Sandler live for one night only at Enterprise. And you can get all the details, find a bonus chance to register to win free tickets for Adam Sandler right now at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. But here's your trivia question today. you got to be the 101st Dexter to the th- Air Comfort. Actually, you know what? Do you have all the questions? No, we're still getting questions in. <laughs> we'll hold off on this just to the end of the segment. 
because if I say this, all the answers are going to come in, and then Marsh is going to be uh, absolutely screwed when it comes to the sports six pack. <laughs> so in uh, seven minutes, we'll give away some Adam Sandler tickets. Poor timing by me, Anthony Stalter in the fast lane. All right, Marsh, you go ahead. Question number one. <laughs> I'm glad I caught it. All right, from the three one four. What hurts more, the Cardinals giving up Alcantara? Or the Blues letting Petrangelo walk. Oh wow! I gotta I, say, I, have, I gotta say, Petrangelo. I agree. You, I mean, look, Sandy Alcantara won a Cy Young, and you're you're hurting for pitching right now. I do believe that this organization, the Cardinals organization, whether it's you know guys that we're hearing about now in Tink Hens or uh, McGreevy or Thompson or whoever, I do believe that the Cardinals will have some have some pitching down the pipeline. The Blues, Justin Falk has been an he was an excellent trade. It was. Tory Krug has been good. You don't have another Alex Petrangelo. And and it's gonna be real tough for the Blues to replace him. So I'll say Petrangelo. Also, I, I feel like the Blues at the time were they're closer they were closer to a Stanley Cup. A second a one. A second one. For sure. Yeah. So I would say so. It, so it even does. with El Contra, you're you're good, but are you Are you great? Yeah. No. No, because I mean, you'd be closer though. You would be closer, but the Blues—I mean, the Blues—they had a a real legit chance to to win one back to back Mm -hmm. while he was still there, and then the following year, you could say they had a shot too. And you'd still have a lot of your same core. You still have Robert Thomas. You'd still have Jordan Cairo. You may have had to push the contracts, the extensions, you know, further down the line. But yeah, I'm gonna go with Petro. It's a good question. Question number two. All right, this one's from the 480 for the newly resized sports four pack. Will <laughs> someone please provide the definition of the phrase generational talent? Generational talents. So in my, I view that as in my generation, we will not see a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. In my generation, we will not see a better pure hitter than Albert Pujols. In my generation, we will not see a unique unicorn player like a Shohei Otani. It is just when I'm watching, in my, for my generation, I'm going to be able to watch or have watched those players. That's how I would phrase that. So the 480 also says that uh, my thinking is that a generational talent is someone who will be held in high esteem 20, 30, 40 years from now in their sport therefore it makes no sense to label someone a generational talent before they actually do something looking at you Juan Soto that's interesting now Juan Soto has also won a world series it's true and has posted numbers that I can't remember the comp but the comp is outstanding it's got like the same numbers as somebody absolutely historic Hall of Famer to it's this point in his career. Probably a generational talent. Probably a generational talent. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, maybe my definition is way off though, because you know, would be would Mickey Mantle be a generational talent? Yeah, I didn't see him though. So maybe, maybe that is more in line. The definition is more in line with the text are saying. That's a good. That's a good call. Maybe it's open for interpretation. I don't know. Interesting, nonetheless. Question number three. I feel like everything, you know, is 
really. Up for interpretation. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number three. From the 314, do you think Tom Brady will pull a Roger Clemens and not sign with the team until week seven or eight just to stay healthier until the end of the season? If you were a running back, tight end, wide receiver, corner, maybe. Quarterback, no. And I don't think that Tom Brady wants to half half do anything, half game plan for anything, half half season for anything. Absolutely not. No. I, I think if Tom Brady is coming back, and I do believe he will come back. I'm not saying he's not thinking about retiring and all that because I think he's, you know, somebody that will look at all aspects of it and then make a, a sound decision. Uh, but I do think he will come back, and it's not going to be for half a season, no. By the way, Ted Williams is the, the is comp. The comp. We're, we're getting you. multiple texts. Ted Williams. Ted Williams. So. There you go. So he's got. So Juan Soto is the same numbers right now as Ted Williams. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty. Yeah, that's he's pretty a pretty good, good player, yeah. wasn't he, Anthony? He certainly was. Question number Not four. Not a generational <laughs> talent though, because I didn't see. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I just blows up my blows up my definition. All right, from the three one four. Do you guys think that the Blues are a better team next year if they trade some key players for draft picks? Are they deep enough? I don't know if you're going to get I – I'll tell you what. I, I understand the line of thinking when it comes to trading Vladimir Tarasenko and or Ryan O'Reilly to just get something. Get something in return. I get that. I don't know if the return is going to be as sexy as you think. No, and I don't think it's immediate either, right. obviously. You know, it's not like the NFL where the guy can just come right in yeah. and, and make Von a difference. Miller. Right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I keep looking back to maybe – the Kevin Shattenkirk trade. That was the last time, at least for me, when I was like, wow, that's, that's, like they didn't get anything for that. And that was that was similar. They held yeah. on to him. They said, We're gonna roll, we're gonna roll into the year. We'll see how we do. And then they traded him. Yeah, I was I remember being mad about that trade. I remember that. You knew you knew that you couldn't resign him. I yeah. can't remember what they got for Kevin Shattenkirk. I think they got Zach Sanford. Meet me at the garden? And they had uh oh, what's his name? He was a goalie. Can't remember his name off the top of my head. I think it was Phoenix, Phoenix Copley. Copley. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe those were the two guys. I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, well, that's a perfect example. But hey, it ended up working out, it right? Did. It absolutely did. Yeah. So, uh, no, I think you're a better team next year with little uh, uh, more cap space. Yeah. And Doug Armstrong's got some flexibility to make some moves. See, that's what I value the most. I, I think I value cap space over picks. Because we know that Doug yep. Armstrong will go out and try and get somebody. Right. We've seen it before. So I value that 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 cap space Agreed. more so than a player that yeah, won't play for your team for a few right. more years, if, you know, at all. Question number five. All right, from the 314, is San Francisco the best remaining team in the playoffs that manages the clock well? Who's the best team? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is outstanding when it comes to clock management. Nick Sirianni has done a good job, but let's be honest, Nick Sirianni has had, you know, last last year is a little bit different. So let's just view this year's team. Nick Sirianni hasn't had to manage the clock that much because he hasn't been in a lot of close games this year. Uh, Andy Reid has had his issues with clock management because, in my opinion, he, he gets bored as a play caller and starts to, you know, put the ball in the air when you got Patrick Mahomes. You know, who blames them? But I think that clock management, a lot of that has to do with protecting lead and being able to, to establish the run. So Andy Reid has had his issues. And then uh, Zach Taylor. Yeah, Zach Taylor's had some issues too. So, yes, to answer that question, Kyle Shanahan is probably the best at clock management. H him and Andy Reid, nothing, nothing away from Zach Taylor. 
and nothing away from Nick Sirianni, who's had excellent years. Those are t- those are the two best coaches remaining. Question number six. Oh, that's weird. We got through six questions, Anthony. I was hell-bent on doing it, and I know you were too. From the 636, just an interesting question. Let's say you add a former player in their prime to this Cards team to play here again. Who would you name? My best friend said so to Gucci. So kind of like a fan favorite type deal? I think if you just you can just add any any former player from their prime to add to this, oh, oh, the prime. this team. Oh, yeah, to wow. play here again. Albert. Can I go well, Albert? Well, I feel like it's kind of the ultimate cheat code. Ah, it's kind of a cheater. Okay, so besides Brad Thompson, uh, why don't we go with Chris Carpenter? That's a good one. Yeah. God, no, it would be sick to put Albert back on this team. I mean, come on, that's the that's the yeah. answer, right? Like MVP Albert. We're talking about prime in his prime. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean that's g- like the only five. answer, right? Yeah. We could say Scott Rowland, who maybe makes the Hall of Fame. We'll so, update you. Let's uh, let's actually. Let's pick a, a position that this team actually needs to well, upgrade. Why, yeah, why don't we just say, well, my answer is going to be Chris Carpenter. So if okay. you want to if you want to think of that, Marsh, maybe we'll kind of talk about it. We do have the 2023 election announcement coming up for the Hall of Fame. We'll see if Scott Rowland gets in, so we'll update you next. Uh, but every day this week, as I mentioned, we got the Adam Sandler tickets. So here's here's your question. I couldn't, I couldn't read it at the start of the segment or else Marsh would have got his questions buried. But if you're the... 101st texter to 314-399-9646 with the correct answer. You're going to go see Sandler on February 10th at Enterprise Center. Who who was the kindergarten teacher for Billy Madison? Who was, the, who was Billy Madison's kindergarten teacher? I got the correct answer to that. You'll go see Sandler, of course, if you're the 101st texter. Update on the Hall of Fame. More Cardinals discussion next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The best way to fix the Cardinals strategy for roster construction is really simple you just got to spend a billion dollars on payroll yeah good call on that one Trice job there nice mic drop i thought he was gonna go with like add talent or add really good players or something but uh no billion dollars should probably do it yep it's a fast lane on 101 espn 505 your time check is brought to you by clarkson jewelers an officially licensed rolex jeweler mlb network is set to announce here in the next couple of minutes the 2023 hall of fame election announcement we will go live maybe it'll be our guy greg amsinger who i see right now on tv i don't think he makes the announcements but we will go live to, to hear if scott Rowland has been elected to the 2023 Hall of Fame election. I think he will be, but it's, you know, locally, it's the the, the best local angle when it comes to the, the Hall of Fame. So when the MLB Network does do the announcement, oh, oh, I see a little timer here for us. That's nice. So nine, about nine and a half minutes. So actually probably get to that in the next segment, which would be Jamie Rivers. Maybe we'll just bump Jamie and tell him to go to hell. Um, we'll We'll get to that. But we did want to go through some of your mic drops when it comes to the kind of the topic of the day i position this in the way of if if you were building the roster using a philosophy not necessarily who you would have signed this offseason that 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 applies but what would be your philosophy in terms of building 
the Cardinals roster. And the reason why we pitched this idea is because I still feel like there is some anger over the Cardinals being inactive. Them just doing the Wilson Contreras signing and calling it a day. If you would spend big in free agency, I would like to know. How would you use the draft? How would you use, what, what would you do in trades? It evolves the conversation from the Cardinals don't do anything. They're cheap. They don't go for it. It evolves it to, okay, you essentially want to play GM. Do the whole thing then. Focus on everything. Focus on how you would build the roster. Because for me, I, I would lean on the draft. It's cost control. You're talking about cost control players, and if you're really good at drafting, scouting, and developing, you're, you're going to have a better chance at a sustained run. What that doesn't mean is avoid free agency. I would use free agency to pick up players on shorter deals, two-year deals, one-year deals, similar to what like the Giants did a year ago with Carlos Rodon. One-year deal, got the best out of him, let, let him reestablish his market value, and then if you want to resign him, fantastic. If not, goes to the Yankees. Now the Yankees are committed for six years. We've seen this before. Josh Donaldson, got, Braves got the best one-year deal out of him. He moves on, goes to uh, the Twins, I believe. Or maybe he just went to the Twins, then to the, then to the Braves. I can't remember what the order was. But that would kind of be my philosophy, free agents. One-year deal, really good players, fill, fill holes. Like Cody Bellinger, perfect example this past year. One-year deal for him. Outfielder, reestablish the market. If he sucks, you're moving on in a year. If he's great, you got the you got a great year out of him, and you're not paying full market. That's how I would treat free agency. But how would you do it? All right, here's Mike leaving us a mic drop. Hey guys, if I were to uh, construct this team the way I wanted, I would hang on to those prospects, and I think uh, the front office has done a good job of keeping those guys. Because I think in the next two to three years, when they cut these guys loose, I think we are going to have a legitimate chance to compete and go far. Keeping Arenado and Goldschmidt at the corners, it's going to be a good team. And I do like adding those one to two year contracts to players that have already had an established career that they can maybe help out the roster uh, at one or two positions. So... By the way, congrats on Chip Carey uh, being the new Cardinals uh, color commentator. I think it's a great hire. Going to do a great job. Welcome to St. Louis. All right there, Mike. Nice job. Nice little shout-out there for Chip Carey. All right, why don't we get to the next mic drop so I don't get yelled at by a texter who doesn't like the fact that we only play one or two mic drops. Here's Robert. Hey, guys. I'm fine with the offense the way it is if we've got a top of the National League rotation which we don't have. I think this team, at best, we've, we've got a couple of number threes and a number four starter. We've got no one, we've got no two. So with the, the prospects that we have, and I think traditionally the Cardinals have overvalued their prospects, I would have liked to have seen the Cardinals leverage those prospects for, if not a number one, a number two starter. Because the fact of the matter is, yes, we'll make it to the postseason, but when we get there, how far can you really get without top-end pitching? Thanks, guys. Robert, hey, great mic drop. Marsh, you got something? Yeah, I was just going to say those two, Mike and Robert, two completely different thoughts that lead to 
the so, Cardinals right. going deep into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Just two separate things. They have to both. They both have to do with prospects. Either you're getting rid of them, or you're keeping them. And I feel like that's where a lot of people they fall. It, it, it's very split. Yeah, they kind of differ in that, right? Great mic drops, Robert. Let me let me play devil's advocate with you though. So, the idea of trading trading those prospects, you get to the point where you're like, okay, listen, we absolutely need pitching. We need top end pitching, not pitching, top end pitching. So let's deal from our farm system now. Maybe Robert was indicating that you, you go for you, you you keep Walker, you keep Win, but starting like top end starting pitching that's going to cost you. So you're probably dealing from the top of your farm system. If you do that and you retain those guys, whoever that ace pitcher is, and you retain them for a while, okay, great. Theoretically, you're set up for a couple of years. What if it's a, what if it's a Marcelo Zuna, though, from a pitcher? So obviously he played the outfit, but let's just say, let's just say it's a pitcher. Same idea. We're going to trade some prospects for Ozuna. Why? We absolutely positively need a middle of the order bat. Prospects move them. Now what people can now now what do people complain about? About getting rid of uh, Cy Young Award winner Anthony and Zach Allen is a solid starter. Yeah, but should have had those guys. You okay. got a, a Gold Glove winner Anthony. You did get that. You got a Gold you Glove, know, and you know what? He had some really second, he had some really good numbers heading into the year that the the Cardinals ended up picking him. He did his second up. year in St. Louis was very good. I yeah. mean, we laugh about the you know the, yeah, the, the losing the ball and yeah. Spider Man thing. His second year with St. Louis very good. Let's not let's keep in mind here that was also the uh, the year that they went to the NLCS. I, I think we're going to the podium here for the Hall of Fame announcement. So let's do that. Uh, audio courtesy of MLB Network, the 2023 Hall of Fame election now of the Hall of Fame and Museum. Uh, Josh, we've been talking about it for several hours here in the Platt Gallery. We've been doing our live coverage. Uh, there has been a clearing of the ballot and kind of a fresh evaluation of a lot of names uh, that have been on the ballot the last few years. It's been interesting. Yeah, what's fun is how many people are tracking this day by day. I mean, that's that's one of the unique things of this process. And uh, I think there's a lot of intrigue. You, you listen to the coverage over the last couple of days and you know um, it's going to be a close one. There's no avoiding a tracker if you're into this sort of thing, and we see that it could be a very close vote. So, and we've seen that before. Um, this could be a fascinating result. Yeah, I think there's there's just when you, when you look at the the level of talent on that ballot, I think what people forget is how hard it is just to get on that ballot, and then to think about how hard it is to get a plaque on this wall. It is it is the one to one and a half percent who have ever played the game, and. Uh, you know, it's a huge credit to anybody on that ballot, but we're excited to see what happens tonight. All right, Josh, uh, time is now. We'll let you have the floor. Thank you. Well, on behalf of National Baseball Hall of Fame Chairman Jane Forbes Clark, our board of directors, the entire staff in Cooperstown, and Jack O'Connell of the Baseball Writers Association of America, it's my honor to announce the results of the 2023 BBWAA Hall of Fame election. I'd like to thank Mark Moran of Ernst & Young, and Mike DeLisi for their assistance in certifying the final results. And of course, we want to thank the voting members of the BBWA for their participation. This year's ballot featured 28 candidates with 14 newcomers joining 14 holdovers from the 2022 ballot. In arriving at their individual decisions, the electors took into consideration the following voting criteria. The player's record, playing ability, integrity, sportsmanship, character, 
and contribution to the team or teams for which he played. Tonight, we are pleased to announce the addition of one new member to the Hall of Fame fraternity who will be honored alongside Fred McGriff at the induction ceremony on July 23rd at the Clark Sports Center here in Cooperstown. A two-way superstar playing 17 seasons for the Phillies, Cardinals, Reds, and Blue Jays, today Scott Rowland becomes a member of the National Baseball Hall of Fame. He burst onto the scene as the 1997 National League Rookie of the Year and would go on to win eight Gold Glove Awards and make seven All-Star teams. A lifetime 281 hitter and 2002 National League Silver Slugger, he clubbed 316 home runs with a career OPS of 855. Among third basemen, the Indiana native ranks in the top 10 for wins above replacement, while defensively only Brooks Robinson, Mike Schmidt, and Nolan Arenado have won more gold gloves than he did at the hot corner. He batted 421 in the 2006 Fall Classic, helping the St. Louis Cardinals to a World Series title. Scott, welcome to Cooperstown. Brian? Wow, so the suspense was there. I didn't know, I never ask, I don't want to know. And when you said, even when you said we're welcoming... All right, again, that audio, audio courtesy of the MLB Network. Congratulations to Scott Rowland. Again, if you, you, if you did not hear that, we just played the live announcement. 2023 Hall of Fame election announcement. Scott Rowland elected into the Hall of Fame in, in the sixth year on the ballot. He received 76.3% of the vote. I believe he needed, what, 75%, I think, 75% to get into the hall. So he gets in 76.3%. To me, I don't know how anybody else feels, and I'm sure I'm preaching to the crowd here in St. Louis. To me, Scott Rowland is a Hall of Famer. And I have a very tough time when it comes to Hall of Fames and who should be in and who should be out. If it's, if it's not Albert Pujols or somebody that I know is an absolute superstar – I have a difficult time comparing eras. I have a difficult time comparing numbers, what numbers mean what. I'm not saying I can't, like, dive into it. It's just I have a hard time saying whether or not a player is a Hall of Famer. I thought Derek Gould, who did have a vote and who did, if you follow him on sdltoday.com, did elect Scott Rowland. He did have Scott Rowland on his ballot, I should say. I thought he brought up a great point about playing third base. He said the power numbers – are kind of there, but not in the way that first base power numbers are there and outfield numbers are there, like specifically left field. But you also don't necessarily get the defensive popularity as a shortstop does. So you kind of caught in between. You're a third baseman. Everybody knows that third base is is a uh, you know a spot that you absolutely have. You, you can't have a, a weakness at third. But when it comes to the numbers and the popularity – and what's going to stand out? Power numbers first in left field. Defensive numbers, maybe shortstop. So third base kind of caught in between. I thought that was an excellent point by Derek Gould, of, uh, an outstanding reporter for the Cardinals and, the, and SDLToday.com. But for me, Scott Rowland, when you listen to the players that either used his defense, like you know our guy Brad Thompson or you know Chris Carpenter, Adam Wainwright, when you, when when these guys turn around and it's Scott Rowland, a third base, who's an absolute vacuum, or even our guy Chris Duncan used to talk about playing left field behind Rowland and how unbelievably special he was defensively, win a World Series, call it Cardinals Hall of Famer. Longevity is important. It needs to be kept in context, but it's important. 
plus the numbers, Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer. So I'm I'm thrilled for Scott Rowland. Not that I know him personally, but I'm thrilled for him in terms of you know what he meant to the game of baseball. Cardinals fans, fact that he got in. So congratulations, Scott Rowland. Only guy. He's going to join Fred McGriff. Only guy today, though, that was announced. It's Todd Helton, by the way, if you're if you're interested. Todd Helton, very close. 72.2% needs 75%. Billy Wagner, 68.1%. Andrew Jones, 58.1%. Gary Sheffield, 55 Carlos Beltran, 46.5%. Jeff Kent, 46.5%. Alex Rodriguez, 357 uh, Manny Ramirez, 33.2%. And Omar Vizquel, 19.5%. Needed 75% of the vote to be elected into the Hall of Fame. You needed 5%. To stay on the ballot. Scott Rowland, the only member of the 2023 class, he'll join uh, in terms of being, you know, voted in by the the writers. He'll be voted in now. Fred McGriff, he'll join Fred McGriff. So just fantastic career, Hall of Famer now, and the Cardinals have uh, another Hall of Famer. But we'll have to see what the cap is. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that the Hall of Fame works with the players in terms of what, what the cap is going to be. And I hope he's a Cardinal. I think when I think of Scott Rowland, yeah, the Phillies certainly stand up, but I think of him as a Cardinal. So hopefully he goes in as such. But nonetheless, congratulations to Scott Rowland, elected to the Hall of Fame, six year on the ballot, 76.3% of the vote. I'm Anthony Salter. It's a fast lane. A little late to get to Jamie Rivers, but we will join him next live from Enterprise Center. Talk a little blues hockey here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Joining us right now, live from Enterprise Center, our guy Jamie Rivers, who will be between the bench tonight, benches tonight as he does a little TV work. But Jamie joins us via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Jamie, Scott Rowland is officially a Hall of Famer. So congratulations to him. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to see that finally happen for him. Obviously, he was an incredible player here for the St. Louis Cardinals and had a great career as well. So Cardinals Hall of Famer, now Major League Baseball Hall of Famer. Congrats to him. Absolutely. So, Jamie, we talked a couple of times throughout the course of the show today about the three players that are coming off IR. You got Vladimir Tarasenko coming off IR, Logan Brown, and Tori Krug. Pavel Buchnevich goes to the IR, unfortunately. But when it comes to tonight's game specifically, as the Blues host the Buffalo Buffaloes, what are you looking for now that we know these three players are coming off the IR and, of course, Buchnevich is going to the IR? Well, a couple of things I want to highlight is, look, Jordan Bennington – uh, didn't you know he didn't last the game last game whether you're of the belief that you know he should be at blamed or he was at fault for the goals or whether you're more along the lines like I am is that he was left with not very little help at all on those goals it doesn't matter it's a bounce back game for Jordan Bennington so uh, I can't wait to see his response you know Jordan Bennington plays with that chip on his shoulder and I imagine he's going to want to come out and put together a good performance uh, from a goaltending standpoint. The other side of things, I wa- obviously I want to see Tory Krug, you know, how he moves out here. Because obviously with a lower body injury, uh, you know, those can be tricky. And so I want to see, especially a guy like that, he's not a big guy, so you want to see Tory Krug use his speed and his mobility. And obviously the way he can run a power play, 
but he's got to be able to move his feet and be able to do things that way. So I'm anxious to see, you know, how he looks in his first go around and early in the first period. And then Vladimir Tarasenko, he's got a hand injury. Vladdy's a goal scorer, a great wrist shot, loves to, loves to score those goals. So I'm you know, anxious to see how the puck comes off his stick early. If he's you know, missing his targets at all, or if he's on target, uh, and one thing I can tell you about playing uh, the goaltender right now for the Sabres tonight, his name's Uka Pekka Lukanen. I know that's a tough one right there, Anthony. Nailed um, it. But but he carries his glove low. And we've talked about guys like this before. Um, I think Vladimir Tarasenko is a prime candidate, along with Jordan Cairo and even a Braden Shen. Come down that wing and put it top shelf there. And I think that you know, he's susceptible to that. So those are the things I'm looking for early in tonight's game. Jamie, when you look at, you know, like Tage Thompson and what the Sabres team can can bring to the ice tonight, you're drawing things up. You're 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 Baruby tonight. You're the coach. What are the things that you're focused on saying to yourself, if we cannot let this element of the Sabres beat us tonight? I, I can't drive away from the Enterprise Center tonight with a loss because of this happening. What is that this? Too many grade A opportunities. You know, that's, I mean, it sounds like a broken record for this season for the Blues, but that's exactly what I'm looking to deny the Sabres. They've got a very powerful offense. We talked about it earlier. You know, but second place in the NHL as far as goals four are for the entire club. And you got a guy in Tage Thompson who's lighting the lamp every time you turn around. So you can't give up that quality ice. You to try and take away the middle of the ice. You got to check really well. I think the biggest thing for the Blues is playing in the offensive zone. You know, a couple of games ago, they end up playing two with two minutes less than their opponent in the offensive zone. That can't happen. You have to be dominating the offensive zone, force these guys to play defensively, and keep them out of the dangerous areas. And that's going to mean all the guys on the ice playing tight defensively. Because if you're not aware of where Skinner is, he can use his speed. Alex Tuck, uh, at times, he could be the best player on the ice, so you have to be aware of him. And Tage Thompson certainly showing that he's got the goal-scoring ability to be an all-star and an elite player in the NHL. So for me, the story tonight when I drive away from the Enterprise Center is did the Blues take away the great scoring opportunities from the Sabres? Jamie, what are some other aspects of tonight's game that when you're when you're on the ice, there's always certain things that you're looking for. You, you dove into uh, something from you know the the, the Blues standpoint, uh, whether it's you know something that you want to kind of uh, isolate with Tage Thompson. What's something that from between the benches is another aspect that you want to kind of highlight? I want to watch the Thomas line, Thomas Cairo and Brandon Saad. You know, Craig Berube making the decision to. Uh, keep Brandon saw in that line, knowing full well that Vladimir Tarasenko is available. And, you know, look, Vladdy has played with those guys before and had a lot of success. They've put up good numbers, but Brandon Saad has been going pretty good with those guys. And look at a couple of games ago against the Nashville Predators, those guys were dominating the game. Jordan Kyrou, with his speed alone, created so many great scoring opportunities, and he was a difference maker. So when I'm looking at the Blues tonight, I want to watch that line. I want to watch how they produce offensively, you know, how much do they put the Sabres on their heel, what kind of offensive zone time do they get as far as possessions concerned, and then if for some reason it doesn't go swimmingly, how long does Craig Berube wait before he tweaks the lineup, before he switches things up? Because you can't let something just get stale uh, out there. You have to make sure you're constantly putting the best product you can out there and the best combinations 
And if it ain't working, you do have Vladimir Tarasenko, who's back in your lineup, and maybe he can spice things up. Jamie, we were a little late getting to you. Don't want to jack you up with uh, all the pregame stuff you have to do before the game. So enjoy it. We'll be watching you tonight, and we'll see you tomorrow. All right, guys. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good one. You too. That's Jamie Rivers. He'll be back tomorrow, 2 to 6 here in the Fast Lane, doing a little TV work tonight ahead of the Blues and Sabres. Pregame, don't forget, starting in a half an hour, right here on 101 ESPN. We've got our question of the day next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. That's right, the biggest question of the day. This is something that could be outside the box, sports or non-sports related. And Marsh, I believe we have our first repeat. I think so. We got a, we got a really good one last week from, from a listener. We got another one today. This is Lauren, right? This is Lauren. Hello, my question for the biggest question of the day today is what is the weirdest circumstance you've ever met a celebrity? Athlete, movie, TV, radio, whatever it may be. Mine would have to be meeting Vladimir Tarasenko in the merchandise line at an Imagine Dragons concert at the Hollywood Amphitheater. (laughs) The first thing I noticed was the size of his calves. They were probably about as big as my waist. But then the second was the thick accent and the fact he kept buying everything. So I want to know your best celebrity encounter, but in the weirdest way possible. Thanks, guys. Well, first of all, Lauren, you win. That's a pretty good one. Second of all, thank you for uh, coming up with another great question. You had asked last week, name the three sporting events that you saw live that kind of jump-started your your fandom. And we had to tweak that a little bit, but that was a, that wound up being a great question and uh, I think this was a this is a great one too I'm gonna say this we we need Jamie's answer to this now he's not here right but we because he has hung out with some unbelievable celebrities you talk about the most interesting man in the world it's Jamie yeah I'll give you just a quick tease he got tattoos with tennis Dennis Rodman one time so I think he should answer this question at some point Marsh but do you have one off the top of your head yeah I I'm gonna go with with athlete I guess I don't know. They're all somewhat celebrities, anyways. But since this is a sports show, I'll I'll stick with the athlete. Um, when I used to work with the Blues, we uh, th- there's a the service elevator that will take you up from, you know, the press box down to you know the uh, ice level right. and, and you know different levels and whatnot. And I can't remember if I I don't know if I was going up or down. It was at the end of the game. The Blues were playing the Edmonton Oilers, and I believe. They went to either overtime or a shootout. And Connor McDavid, I I think he ended up getting like the game-winning goal or something. And uh, I'm on the elevator and I walk on. And it's one of those things where you're standing there and then all of a sudden another person walks on and mm-hmm. it shuts. So it's me. It's the lady working the elevator. And then right in front of me is Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> nice. And I, I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> that's the great one, right? And I, I just literally had no idea, like, what to say. Because you can't stand in an elevator and not say anything. You know what it's I'm re- saying? Like, that's Wayne Gretzky. It's, I might not ever Randy have this. Jackson. Like, I'm not going to yeah. get his autograph on like, a sword? Are you, yeah, exactly, right? So uh, it was so awkward. I was just like, great game, huh? He goes, and he turned around. He's like, 
that was a great game. <laughs> and I was like, Connor McDavid, good player, huh? He's like, he's a great player. I was like, yeah, he is. <laughs> got nothing on you. Yeah, and then great he got one. off. And that was it. That's <laughs> so awesome. one time I, I ran into uh, into him. Like, it's never been like a, you know, you get into this industry, it's not really a, a problem yeah. because you have those conversations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But like for some reason, I was like, "This is this is the great." One. Sure, I had no idea what to say. You're right; things do change. You get into the the yeah. industry, you're doing these interviews and things like that. Like that. I'm not saying it's not there initially. Like right. I, I remember, I, I told the story last week about being at the Malice at the Palace. There was a couple of times early on in my you know when I'm like 23, right. first in it, and I'm I'm covering. You know, like that, those Pistons teams, or I'm working the uh, visiting locker room of like the the Lions. So I didn't have the Lions at the other at the locker room. And you know, there's a couple of times. I mean, you're standing there like, oh my god, this is so and so, right? Uh, but that that does wear over. You know, that right. fades over time. This is not a celebrity, but I'll 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 land the plane. Just follow me on this. Okay. So when the Rams were still here, go to the go to training training camp practice. I never made practice every day because of the time slot. I was always in the middays with Dunk. So I was never there for practice. But during training camp, I was there for every training camp practice. And there just happened to be one day where, you know, the media members, they usually gather around the sidelines there. And uh, Nick Wagner and I would always would always talk. Now, he, he covers the 49ers, not for ESPN, was the Rams guy for ESPN. And he was also the Rams guy for their official website. So Nick and I would talk, you know, all the time. That, that'd be my guy. Um, and Nick and I are very close now. He's a really good friend of mine. We were talking one day, but then I started. I just had a conversation. I started this conversation with uh, a, a man that was there, wasn't media or anything. And I'm like, this is, yeah, I don't know. We just somehow we just started talking. Got to know him a little bit. He's, he's got he owns these restaurants in Texas, like this chain of restaurants in Texas. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird, but just talking about life and whatever. And, and then finally, I'm like, I'm sorry, I gotta ask. I'm like, it, you're not with the media, are you? He goes, Who are oh, you? He goes, oh no, 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 no. Uh, um, I'm, uh, I forgot his first name. Whatever his first name is, he goes, I'm Foles. I'm Nick's dad. It's <laughs> Nick Foles' dad that I was I was chatting with the entire time. Now, the, the what makes it odd to Lauren's question is, of course, Foles went on to win a Super Bowl, right, with the Eagles. He he was acquired by the Rams. Didn't you know? Didn't necessarily play well for two years here. But it was when Foles was here, and I was chatting with Nick 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 Foles' dad, nicest guy in the world. But yeah, he owns all the like he owns a chain of restaurants in Texas. But I was asking him about Chip Kelly because Foles played for Kelly, and I'm like, what's about you know what's this, what's it like to play for Chip Kelly in the NFL? And he was talking about how he's a mad scientist, and what's it like playing in Philly? And Eagles fans always loved him even before the, he won the Super Bowl because he had kind of the big year. Right. They didn't want to see him, you know, be traded. So, again, not a celebrity himself, but it was just kind of one of those weird situations where I'm talking to Nick Foles' dad. I have no idea who the hell it is. And you go back and you're like, was I, yeah, was I talking I crap on his son before right. I figured out who it was? Seriously, like, oh, what do you think of the Rams' chances? Well, quarterback sucks, yeah. but other than that. Ah. Yeah, no, it, it was uh, it was a good experience. Obviously, I've met other celebrities before. I talked right. about running into Jermaine O'Neal for sure in the Malice of the Palace. I didn't want to go back to that well again. Uh, but one time, my mom and I were traveling 
to uh, visit some relatives. It, the plane wasn't packed at all. And right right in front of us, this is going back like 15 years now. It's Tara Lipinski. So, uh, and she was very rude to the service, the, the, the flight attendants, which I thought, I'm like, come on. Come on, Tara. Uh, but you meet a lot of celebrities throughout the course of your career. But like odd moments like that, that's that that's what makes Lauren's question unique. Yeah, that that's the one, the only one that I could think of off the top of my head. To me, when I think of odd, I think of awkward. And like, right. you're like, like yeah, celebrity. Or like you would never expect to meet them right. in, in that spot. And I right. think that's what Lauren Sama with Vladimir Tarasenko being at a concert. Like, it, it's like, one of those things where you're like, you look at the person you're with and like, is that? For yeah. her, I'm sure she was like, is that Vladimir Tarasenko? Because right. you, you never know, expect it. No, I mean, you know, you're like, oh, it could be some guy that looks just like him that mm-hmm. also happens to speak Russian. Sure. You know, maybe, you know, I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you got to double check. You never yeah. know. But then you're like, you know what? That's definitely him. I'm just reminded of the line from something about Mary. What the hell's, what the hell's Brett Favre doing here? <laughs> like, wait, I think of that. What the hell's Vladimir Tarasenko doing at this Imagine Dragons concert? <laughs> so funny. It's like, I forgot he's a human being. He goes to concerts and stuff. All right, it's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. What you miss, criticisms, compliments next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Appreciate everybody listening today to the show. Andrew Marsh, I'm Anthony Stolitzer. Don't forget, got Blues Hockey starting in 10 minutes, at least the pregame show, 6 o'clock. Followed by the puck drop, Blues Radio Network here on 101 ESPN. Uh, if you download the podcast after the show, available at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 ESPN mobile app, just, uh, brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. You'll hear us break down the Blues-Sabres game tonight. We've got uh, kind of an interesting question, I thought, when it comes to the Cardinals and whether or not you would retool or, you know, fix the broken model if you think if you think that the Cardinals model is broken. A little bit of NFL mixed in as well. I'm sure we'll ramp up the NFL throughout the course of the week as we draw closer to Championship Sunday. But for now, we've got criticisms and compliments, as well as the text of the day. So, like, we weave this in. So... I kind of want to go back to our last segment because a lot of our listeners chimed in with their oddest encounters with celebrities. Sure. I thought this one was pretty funny. From the 217, oddest place I ran into a celebrity was the front of the line of <laughs> at the Batman at Six Flags. Got to sit in the same row as Jordan Hicks. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is very odd. Yeah, you're thinking, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ride a roller coaster, and then you're sitting next to uh, one of the Cardinals relievers. <laughs> uh, compliments to Scott Rowland. Yes, for absolutely. Being elected into baseball's Hall of Fame. Yes, congratulations. So we so we played the announcement live of Scott Rowland being elected, and then had some uh, thoughts on him. So congratulations to Scott Rowland, class of 2023. He's now a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he, hopefully he's wearing a Cardinals cap. If he winds up being Phillies, that certainly would be a shame to St. Louis. But nonetheless, I mean, what a what a tremendous tremendous honor 
for Scott Rowland. So good for him. He should be a Hall of Famer. He is. And to play off what you just mentioned from the 636, congrats to Scott Rowland. The player does decide which team they want to have on their plaque. However, Scott Rowland is not a Phillies Hall of Famer or a Cincinnati Reds Hall of Famer. He wears a red jacket already. And I think that will matter a lot to him when he chooses which team cap he wants on his Hall of Fame plaque. I would think so. Card- yeah, Cardinals Hall of Famer won the World Series with the Cardinals. Phillies, I'm sure, still mean a lot to him. But Scott Rowland, to me, when I think of it, is certainly a Cardinal. All right, it's time for our text of the day. The Air Comfort Service text of the day. All right, Anthony, we had the question if you're someone that believes in the cards model that it's broken, how would you fix it? We got a text today. It says, Anthony asking for this take reminds me of a scene from that 70s show when Kitty asked Red if she looks good in something. And he says, oh, so are we going to fight? That's what we're going to do today. <laughs> that is absolutely the text of the day. Well, well done. <laughs> I guess that applies to I think I could say that to Marsh. Every once in a while, Marsh, we all we're it's a collaborative effort here in the fast line. You know, we've got one Google Doc, we'll share ideas and things like that. Uh Marsh is the producer, will then take those ideas uh from Jamie, myself, and and his own ideas and and combine them all and kind of decide what we're gonna talk about. And there are certain shows where I look down at the grid and I say, Oh, oh, we're talking about Flaherty <laughs> and Colton Pareko today. Really? Okay. So we're fight, we're fighting. I like that a lot. We got a text from Lisa Marsh Anthony. Uh, love the show. So so good today. Lots of smiles and nobody pissed me off. Well, that's good. That's wow. that's difficult. That's a win in itself. Of course, when the Cardinals come, you know, when they come back around here, they're playing again. I'm sure Lisa will be plenty of. Uh, she'll she'll be slinging plenty of arrows at Ollie Marmel and others. Appreciate everybody listening today. Thank you. We'll be back tomorrow from 2 to 6. Blues and the Buffalo Buffaloes. Pre-game, five minutes. You'll hear Alex Ferrario, Joey Vitale, and the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. Everybody have a good night. Be safe on the roads. I'm hearing some snow coming in. We'll see you tomorrow, too. See you. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.